Hello and welcome to We Thought About Games, the podcast where games are looked at historically, fondly, and critically. I'm your host, Sid Menon, and tonight we're going to talk about Mega Man X4, a game developed and published by Capcom for the PS1, Sega Saturn, and PC. Joining me tonight are Abby Denton. Hello. And Bryce Duzon. Hello. All right, so Abby, what's your uh, experience with Mega Man X4? Uh, what is it? Christmas uh, Day, whatever would have been the year after it came out. I don't think 97, 98. I did the history. I should have a record here. Yeah, 98, I got a PlayStation, <laughs> I got this game, and I got Crash Bandicoot 2. And uh, I gotta say, this game was a lot better. <laughs> the the 3D thing sort of made me anxious running toward the camera. I couldn't, couldn't deal with it because you don't know what's going on in front of you. Fair enough. Whereas Mega Man, you can see to the left, you can see to the right, the stuff that's going on toward the screen behind the camera, that's irrelevant. There's nothing there. <laughs> All right, Bryce, how about you? Uh, well, as a kid, I didn't have a whole lot of PS1 games, uh, so this is one of the few that I had and treasured. And this was, like, early internet-ish, so I remember, like, logging on to GameFAQs when that was, like, just getting started. <laughs> <laughs> and looking up, like, the boss guides and, like, all the, you know, ideal weapons to use and all that kind of thing. But, yeah, I really love this game. I had, you know, played quite a few Mega Man games, and this was the first one that, you know, it was the first PS1 game in the franchise. So I had all these, like, ridiculous things, like anime cutscenes and, like, awesome music and mm-hmm. voice acting uh, and so I remember playing as a kid and just being like completely surprised uh, and excited by you know all these different things. Nice. Yeah, I um, a family friend, their son for some reason had the PC version, uh, and he burned us a copy for my brother and I. Yeah, we kind of played it without much context. Like I think I'd seen Mega Man X before. But yeah, it was my first one, and of course, because it was the cool thing to do, we immediately looked up cheats and played with Ultimate Armor X. But yeah, it was a lot of fun, and uh, I also opened up the cutscenes on the CD without any context, so this <laughs> was a cutscene that kind of shocked me <laughs> as a young child, and we'll get to it. You'll know. What did it shock you for? Yeah, you know, I wasn't expecting much violence in the Mega Man X game. Yeah, I felt the same way. What was playing it on the on the PC like? The Mega Man series and the Final Fantasy series, they both always had PC releases, but as far as I was concerned, they were mythical. I never saw them. I don't know anyone who ever had them. What on earth was it like playing like a game sort of as athletic as Mega Man X? <laughs> I actually also had Final Fantasy VII twice on PC. What? That thing had really bad controls. <laughs> now, for the, the PC version of Mega Man X, I mean, I guess it's just because I was, like, what, in middle school, so nothing was beyond my skill level. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't know how I pulled it off, because, like, I tried it again on my Vita recently, and I died to the first boss. Huh. <laughs> A little harder to control on there, but still, that's that's pretty bad, considering how many times I beat this game. I was actually a lot worse at video games in middle school. That's weird. <laughs> well, the example I always use is uh, with Rocket Knight Adventures on the Genesis. The first time I played it, I was so young, I didn't know what the word difficulty meant, so I didn't change it. 
uh, and I got really far on it. And then I set it to kids difficulty on emulation in like high school, and I got absolutely hammered. Huh. <laughs> All right, so Abby, you want to take the history? So when when we're coming into uh, the release of Mega Man X Four, uh, this is sort of after uh, the release of X Three, which is sort of how how sequences work. Uh, there's three, and then you have four, and um, uh, X Three was sort of sort of received as more of the same compared to the the first two Mega Man X games. They were all very very similar graphically, very similar um, upgrade scheme. X Three actually, I think, um, did a lot of things that X Four took back out, like the the chips. Mm-hmm. Uh, and getting to summon your right armors, but it was still sort of sort of seen as um, 16-bit stagnation. Everyone was excited to see sort of the next big thing. Um, there was actually a big drop in in uh, magazine pre- in magazine uh, review scores going into X3, and so people were, were sort of banging to move to the 32-bit era. And so uh, Capcom had been releasing the game sort of every year up to this point, um, but then for X4 they they took a year and a half because they really wanted to wanted to take out all the all the stops, which is hilarious to us now, having seen uh, The Last Guardian take 10 years to complete. Mm-hmm. And Final Fantasy 15. And Persona 5. No, 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 I'm, I'm talking about things that were worth the wait. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, so so X4 sort of does does a lot of uh, graphical flourishes just sort of to show off that it's it's the, the new generation, like the giant first boss, which they'd had before, but he's... He's a much bigger boy. Sort of like chasing you through the stage, yeah. And there's all the all the stuff with like the doors that you can sort of see either side of in the first level, which sort of blew my mind when I was little. All the water in Web Spider's stage and all of the the CG stuff going on in uh, what is it Cyber Peacock that was all trying to show off. And compared to Mega Man Eight, which was sort of its contemporary as the first 32-bit. And uh, obviously in history, this uh, was the first game where Zero was the the main character to, to up the ante for the the new gen, which sort of took away the the big brother figure status that Zero used to have, and now he's sort of diegetically, um, diegetically, diegetically, diegetically. That thing, uh, he's <laughs> sort of now unequal with X. And then in the later games in the series, if anything, he becomes uh, the weaker of the duo. Like X6, where he doesn't show up until late, and he and X sort of have to share power-ups, where he's sort of always going to come in a little bit behind. With this game, there's improvements in pretty much every single front. The graphics are a lot smoother. I wouldn't say there's any feeling that like there's a frame of animation missing in the SNES games, but there's just so many more on this version. Hmm. They'd actually done a PlayStation 1 release of Mega Man X3, that was the year before. It seemed kind of more like a B-team porting effort. It had anime cutscenes, which were novel at the time, but compared to X4s, like, they look kind of cheap. I never knew X3 had anime cutscenes. Yeah, I didn't either. <laughs> yeah, I mean, outside of the uh, opening, uh, the ending, actually, I don't think had one. It just had, like, the credits of X and Zero running down the highway. But they did put in a new credit song for that. But also they replaced the boss intro screens with anime ones of them like doing something and posing and it does a camera close-up, which mostly doesn't feel cheap, except that Blizzard Buffalo's name is written in big letters as Billzard Buffalo. <laughs> I went to college with him. <laughs> <laughs> but also the, uh, the sound effects are a lot higher quality, like or the X-Buster has a much more punchy sound to it. And the shot effects look a lot more powerful, even the basic shots. Yeah, I remember the sound design and music of X4 being really impressive. 
the things that always got like stuck in my head were all the like different voice clips of like the bosses attacking and stuff. Hmm. Uh, like I was watching the uh, long play for the game to like remind myself of everything, and that sound that the mushroom boss makes when you hit him with lightning web mm-hmm. that like has been stuck in my brain for like years now. <laughs> oh, that that actually was a question I wanted to ask: Is uh, Split Mushroom or Aquaman who has a more annoying? voice i think they <laughs> might be the same from is it this yes because Swordman in eight is definitely the same sort of australian dude that colonel is voiced by this game oh really <laughs> i never put that together huh they did add voice acting which is more of a in a modern sense a novelty but it was really cool at the time because none of the voice acting's good <laughs> yeah it's fine it's serviceable but it's not like great in a tradition they carried from Mega Man 8 x has a much higher voice than people probably imagined him having mm-hmm. i remember being surprised by that but also surprised that zeros was so deep i remember him like grunting <laughs> like it's not over yet every time you hit low health which happened a lot with me because i'm not very good at this game um <laughs> sorry but yeah the voice acting's cool <laughs> And uh, also the the soundtrack, like Bryce mentioned, it's it's much higher quality. Like it's moved on from the sort of Nintendo chip sounds to the Super Nintendo sort of MIDI samples. I mean, the SNES has that like cool reverb effect that kind of is pretty well known. But outside of that, especially X three, the instrumentation, a lot of people complain about it because it's supposed to have like a hard rock sound, but it's a hard MIDI guitar. And it sounds kind of grating. Hmm. For X4, they actually have sounds that sound much more like synthesizers you'd hear in, like a soundtrack or a song. Like if you listen to a demo for, uh, like one of the demo songs that comes in, like a Roland, was it JV880 or one of those synthesizers, is like, this sounds like a PlayStation game. And I think that kind of equipment had, hmm. had become more popular around that time. And you can hear it here. Hmm. It's a lot more melodies and solos. T- talking of uh, really good, really good music pieces, I think this is one of the only times when the music of like the intro of the game changes when it's brought to the U.S. for the better. The J-pop for this this game is is a little mediocre. I remember I had one more chance like on my computer as a kid, and I'd, I'd listen to it until my parents grounded me. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the U.S. intro sounds much more like the music that's in the game. Whereas in Japan, they licensed the song Makinai Ai Ga Kito Aru by Yuke Nakama, which is just like a house song. I watched, the, I saw the music video for it actually, and even that one says AKA Rockman X4 intro song. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's just like one of those 90s videos of some like, here's a musician, but they're just going like, they're on a train and now they're doing their laundry and look at how normal they are. You know, Reploids, Reploids had to take trains, they had to do laundry. We we see Mega Man on a train ride in this very game. <laughs> but yeah, they also had some gameplay changes in this because of the uh, added buttons. Hmm. You could use the X-Buster while having other special weapons equipped, so you weren't going into the menus quite as much. Though you could also switch weapons using the buttons without going into the menu. That was also used for Zero's, like, Giga Crush too, right? Yeah, and Zero's new playstyle is actually very different from X's because he fights exclusively with his close-range saber. 
Yeah, which I thought was really cool at the time. I liked how X and Zero played like you know completely different characters, but it also made it so that playing as Zero was a lot more difficult than playing as X. <laughs> I, I was actually going to say that I, I find Zero a lot easier because I have never used like one of X's or, or like any of the Mega Man's like special weapons ever. Like I, I never think to to switch over to one of the other other weapons and. Unless it's a boss that needs a weakness that I'm, I'm having trouble with, then then it's just not a thing that I think about because it's like uh, elixirs in RPGs where you, where you don't want to you don't want to waste it. No, yeah, totally. Whereas with with zero, you sort of have like infinite. I think there are like two that have weapon energy, or maybe that's a, a later game. Uh, the Giga Attack has weapon energy. Yeah. Yeah, but like otherwise, you don't really have to worry about like oh I missed the uppercut. That's fine. I can try to set this guy on fire a few seconds later. Right. Yeah. There's just a few. A few specific places where Zero kind of is penalized for his playstyle. <laughs> hmm. Especially because it's still an old school platforming game where running into enemies harms you. Right. His attacks are likened to fighting game inputs, but they're a lot simpler than that, because you just hold like up and press the special attack button and you'll do the uppercut. Or you press it down and special attack when you're in midair and you'll do the ice dropping attack. I thought that was cool, too, uh, where you kind of had to put in inputs to, for the attacks. Uh, and it feels like there's a few different things that kind of had, came from, like, a fighting game kind of inspiration. Well, Magma Dragoon in particular, mm-hmm. uh, but also a couple of the other bosses felt like fighting game characters than just like, oh, you know, this is a boss and this is their pattern type thing. Mm. All right, so let's get into it. Uh, the game has actually two different intro cutscenes depending on which character you pick. So in X's intro, you see a mansion with a mysteriously cloaked figure that's definitely Sigma because you played the other three Mega Man X games, and he was in all of those, and this person looks exactly like Sigma and sounds exactly like you'd think the villain of these games would sound like. And he's meeting with a character named General, who's the head of a group called Repliforce and he wants him to destroy the Maverick Hunters, who are the people that X is part of. You possess enough power to destroy them! You are dismissed. What?! I will not betray the humans. Remove yourself from my sight. My business with you has concluded. (laughs) Very well. But you will change your mind soon, I assure you. <laughs> Sigma just walks off with his turned on like energy scythe. <laughs> just got it under his cloak. Seems dangerous. Yeah, because he's especially holding it in a way such that General can't see it. So it's close to his own chest. Sigma dies more often than he eats breakfast, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Whereas Zero's intro cutscene, he sees a shadowy figure that's definitely Dr. Wily, because if you played the other Mega Man games, you know what he looks like, and his silhouette stands out, if for nothing else than his giant mustache. (laughs) I I actually thought Dr. Robotnik might have built Zero. (laughs) (laughs) But who are you? After him, he is my nemesis. Our rivalry is what gets me motivation in life. Now go, destroy him. That's an order. 
and he sees these visions of these other reploids, robots, blown apart, and Sigma, like, being scared for some reason. And in both cases, after that, you go to the stage select screen, but there's no stages yet, you just get a dialogue box that says that Mavericks have attacked Sky Lagoon in X's case, or Zero's told that Repliforce has attacked the Sky Lagoon, and he appears to recognize that name. That's when you get to the first intro stage for this game, and it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's clear that they're like, okay, we got this technology, we have to like hook them in right from the start so that they're like excited about the game. Yeah. There's searchlights going in the background and foreground. There are scenes where there's a lot of enemies on screen, and it doesn't slow down, at least in any of the versions I've played. Mm-hmm. And the enemies are a lot more detailed. Also, as you're running through this first area, a giant dragon thing appears in the background and starts shooting at you from the background. It's so cool, that dragon thing. Yeah, it's called Eregion. Let's call it that dragon thing instead. <laughs> yeah, that's a much better name. Most of the enemies you fight are these dragonfly robots, and also there are these soldiers with guns that also occasionally throw grenades. They're really pretty well animated and have expressive faces. I always wanted to be friends with those guys. Oh, you know what it is? The, the, the design of those guys always reminded me of guys in a different game who did the same sort of thing where there's like a circle and they like hold their arms behind themselves and they like throw stuff at you. Was it the guys from Gunstar Heroes? I, I think that might be what I was thinking of. Because oh. they do a lot of pratfalls in both of those. I think there were also guys like that in um, Clown Man stage in Mega Man 8. Yeah, once you get far enough, though, you enter through what appears to be a boss door, but you just run into another hunter named Magma Dragoon, and he says that that giant maverick destroyed the generator, and Sky Lagoon is going to plummet to the city below, which is going to kill a lot of people, which is already a bit more directly violent than the other games ever addressed. Your character will use that, oh, this is going to kill a lot of people, and they teleport out, and then it loads into another section, because that's another change that they made in X4, is that stages are explicitly split into two sections. Did they do that in Mega Man 8? Oh, yeah, 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 they, they did, because, like, the second half of Tango Man's stage is, like, the side-scrolling shooter. So I wonder if that was something, like, the PlayStation couldn't handle a whole level at once or something? Yeah, I mean, they almost certainly had to do that. I really like what it does to design, where, where a lot of the times I'll try to go a completely different direction with something. So, so, like, you won't just have the fire level and it's, like, 20 minutes of jumping across lava. It's 10 minutes of jumping across lava and then 10 minutes of... There aren't a lot of interesting things you can do with lava. <laughs> uh, I thought it was always interesting, because it kind of goes from the first part, you know, on the, the ship, and then you go to the city, and it's like, oh, this horrible thing has happened. But it never actually shows like anything happening. It's just like here's before, and here's directly after, mm-hmm. and you just kind of have to like assume like yeah, this crashed and a lot of people died. It was awful, but we're not actually going to show you any of that. I mean, there's some buildings in the background, but the area you're in is very much just rock walls falling and uh, claws popping out of them to shoot you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you get further into the stage. If you're playing as Zero, then right before the boss, you'll see a uh, character you recognizes. Her name is Iris. Uh, she's laying on the ground. She's apparently been injured. And she warns you that this big maverick up ahead. For X, there's just no one here. Because we didn't mention it, but that intro cutscene, it shows Zero having like all this familiar, like, he's sparring with Colonel, and 
smiling at Iris and stuff, and every shot with X in it is just him shooting this X-Buster. <laughs> Zero has friends, and X has a gun. Yeah, also, normally Zero is X's friend character, but their stories are completely separate. They never run into each other, and they never interact, except X's ending. Which I could see kind of being a letdown if you liked that angle, the camaraderie in the first three games. Well, the first one and the third one, and like maybe the second one. Yeah, I, I think the second one had the most emotionally effective arc, even if they rarely interact. Oh, were you rebuilding? It, yeah, it, it, it inspired the most fan fiction, I'll tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> but then you move a little further, no boss door this time. And you fight Irigin. You know, that, that fight always struck me as a letdown just because he, he always felt like he came down in like three hits compared to how big he was. Which I guess is true of most like first level bosses, but it felt unfair. They could have made him try to hit you less and the fight just takes longer, I don't know. I mean, you have to play it fairly safe if you want to avoid getting hit by him, because that claw slash attack, like up close, it's going to hit you. I don't even know if you can dash out of the way in time. Yeah, and he spends most of the time just kind of like staring at you. And then sometimes attacking. Yeah. But it's also like the first boss. Mm -hmm. So I assume they didn't want to make it that hard. Yeah. Look, man, I'll tell you what. Invincible Vile would have beaten the crap out of this guy. (laughs) (laughs) Plot armor, man. Yeah. You can actually, during the first stage, the first half of Sky Lagoon, you can hit his claws when they come down and damage him. And that's actually much harder than this boss fight. But... There's no point to doing the first one because he just shows up here again anyway. (laughs) And it'll take you more time to defeat him than to just do the rest. But he does have a unique boss track that's pretty good. After you defeat him, Colonel from Repliforce shows up. Whoever you're playing as, they'll tell him, Since you're at the site of this incident, we're going to require you to disarm and come back with us to Maverick Hunter headquarters. And in both cases, Colonel will say, no, we were here to help people. Screw you. We're leaving. And that's what kicks off the conflict in this game. Yeah, it's a little trite. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think they're also going for, like, oh, pride is what caused the downfall of these people. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's always like, no, come on, dude. Just, like, we literally just want to ask you some questions and then you can go. Yeah. I think what it comes down to is that the Maverick Hunters are are the guys who search your bag at the movie theater to make sure you're not smuggling in candy. They're a bunch of narcs. I mean, yeah. Sigma did nothing wrong. (laughs) Tweet at the podcast with the hashtag Sigma did nothing wrong. The next cutscene you get after you clear the intro stage, General is announcing to the rest of Force that they're going to build a refuge in space away from humans because they've been unjustly accused and they don't want to attack anyone. They just want to live separately. This is about our liberty and security. We must battle for our own individual rights and our own survival. Together, we will build our nation a sanctuary for all reploids, our own utopia. Let us forge onward towards a new golden era for the Repliforce. I, too, share the general's sentiment. Take heed, we have no other choice. Let us fight valiantly, with courage and pride. Without fear, for we are the Repliforce. The most powerful army in history! Yeah! 
<laughs> the general has finally taken action. And now, my maverick hunters, what will you do? I'll be watching closely from here on out. <laughs> Also, Sigma is watching this on a TV somewhere in, like, a mansion bedroom? Sigma just has a mansion, I guess? <laughs> but apparently this is all according to his plan of Colonel's gonna show up and then not do a really simple thing, and this is gonna kick off a fight, and this will benefit me. But even though they say there's no, like, conflict, uh, as soon as you get to the stage select screen, Zero will be joined by... Iris, uh, and she'll say that a coup has begun. Whereas X will meet a character uh, who you might have seen in the intro, named Double, who looks like a rotund man in a yellow football outfit with a football helmet on. I like Double because when he appears in the intro, he does that 80s sitcom thing where he's like in the middle of an activity and then he notices the camera and like turns and smiles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Double's first line after he introduces himself to X is, My liege, the Repla Force has begun it apostrophe S coup. I did not notice that until the last time I saw that scene. That is really strange. Yeah, there's a lot that's weird with that one sentence. Especially because also when you see him, you think you'd have a kind of silly guy voice or something, but the one cutscene you hear his voice in much later is... It's really weird when you imagine him saying it like that. Like, my liege, the Repla Force has begun its coup. <laughs> this one also sets things apart by introducing each stage one by one and giving you the actual purpose as to why you would go to those places. Not just like, there's a maverick here. Kill it. I like how the colonel is like, look, we just want to leave peacefully and start our own society. And then X slash zero immediately finds like oh here's like eight <laughs> rebel force <laughs> members who are doing all sorts of bad shit all over the world mm -hmm. oh yeah fine if you expect rebel force to behave as some sort of a model minority where no one commits crimes then yes obviously you're going to find them wanted <laughs> so for more than a few reasons there's a multiple orders viable that's true in every Mega Man game that was obviously the appeal is that you could do stages in whatever order you want but some fights or stages were a lot worse, but in this case they actually do a few things to make multiple orders viable. So in the case of uh, the order we're going to go in, we're actually going to start with Magma Dragoon stage because, hey, it turns out he's actually a bad guy who could have predicted this. Who could have seen this coming? So this stage is predictably like the inside of a volcano. So the first area is mostly just like you dodging fire bursting up from the ground, bottomless pits. It's pretty straightforward. Also, these areas, especially once you know them better, are pretty quick. Hmm. But once you get to area two, there are platforms that can be destroyed by the fire that bursts up from below. So it encourages you to actually keep moving. And also, you encounter enemies in ride armor, which are the mech suits that are in every Mega Man X game. And this one has a energy blade on it. So if you aren't playing a zero, you can still slash stuff with an energy blade. Classic suit that's been in the series since like Mega Man X1. Yeah. I felt like this mech suit, the blade one specifically, was sort of sort of a lot slower than all of the other mech suits in the whole series and in this game. 
And, and so I always really hated it. Like, the, the, the range of its sword thing always felt way too short. Yeah, the first hit's more of a poke. The second one has a big arc and actually is what I wanted to hit stuff with. Isn't... Does Zero have sort of a similar thing where the second hit is... No, it's the third hit with Zero is... Yeah, three-hit combo. The first one has kind of big range. The second one's really quick, but it's got really short range. And the third one does three hits uh, when you connect with it as a big arc. I wonder if there, there's a reason why they moved to, like, melee hits where the first hit is sort of one of the weaker ones. It might just be the fighting game ethos they wanted to follow through with on his character. And also, I feel like doing single sword slashes with Zero would be murder the pace completely. <laughs> That's a good point. You can also do a dash attack with the right armor, though. It's pretty good. There's a regular stage route where you can reach Magma Dragoon. But if you keep the ride armor alive, then there's actually a path below the boss door where you can break through some blocks with the ride armor. And this lets you fight the boss in the armor, which is a first for the series. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. It also makes it much easier to do this fight, because it is kind of tough if you don't have his weakness. Yeah, I. this is like one of the harder fights in the game if you're just using the buster. Well, first, when you enter the fight and it gives you the whole warning thing. Actually, that's new, too. It'll pop up warning, and then the boss will appear and do their pose. And then they'll have a little dialogue with your character, which, in Magma Dragoon's case, it's like, I love murder, ah ha 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 ha. But in most other cases, it's, I'm gonna fight you now. Yeah, it's always kind of like the same sort of (laughs) (laughs) message of, no, we're not going to surrender, I'm just going to fight you until I die. Yeah. I really liked Magma Dragon's fight. He's very, like, fast, and I like that he literally has Hadoukens. <laughs> I think he also does the, the Shoryuken, the uppercuts. I think so, yeah. And he has some, some dive kicks. Also his attack where he will, like, look more like a bird and shoot a huge stream of fire out, so you have to wall jump. I loved his head in that one. Yeah. There's a really good statue of him doing that move, like a resin model kit, that <laughs> I, I kinda, kinda wanna waste money on. He's pretty rad. And for this boss fight, this doesn't happen after every boss fight, it's just for this one, but after you kill him, his, like, torso and head are still there, and he'll say that he did it all because he was offered a chance by him to fight X or fight Zero, because he always wanted to, and apparently sparring doesn't exist in the year 21XX. (laughs) And for beating Magma Dragoon, X gets Rising Fire, where he'll shoot just the fire shot straight up from the ground, or he can charge it up and do an uppercut. That move is interesting because it's super effective against Sigma, but only because it's completely useless in every other circumstance. (laughs) And... Zero gets Ryu Engen, which is pretty much the same uppercut thing. It's a flaming upward slash, and I think it's a lot more useful for him. He sort of steps forward in the middle of it, which is better. Yeah. So next up is Web Spider's stage, and I didn't realize this until years later, just because I'm pretty sure I heard Web Spider's stage theme before I heard Ryo by Duran Duran, but I think the intros to these songs are kind of (laughs) similar. <laughs> uh, this stage looks really nice. 
but it's just got like flowing water and greenery everywhere. I love the the merman enemies that like jump out of the water. Yeah, they do like a spinning attack and then they shoot you with their little spines and they have a trident. They, sh they should be the boss design. That guy is so cool. <laughs> and the reason why this stage was is also a viable starting point is because you can get X's leg armor parts here, which let you air dash like they have since X2, but also you can just press jump again in midair and you'll hover for a little bit, which... I did maybe a couple times, but moving while you're hovering shortens how long you can hover, and you do drop kind of fast. I always got kind of nervous around pits. <laughs> yeah. It does make it more useful if there's an enemy that's above ground level that you just want to be level with to shoot. Yeah, there's a couple like boss fights where having the jump chats makes it so much easier. <laughs> Talking of capsule upgrades, this is also the stage if you use the cheat code, where you can get uh, the ultimate armor. Which meant it was always the first level that I did when I played. <laughs> yeah, because you can get it from any armor capsule you go to, but... I never knew that! Well, it's because there's no reason to do the other ones, because this one's like, do a pretty easy section of a stage, and then just walk right. Yeah, the air dash and hover will actually be pretty useful, because the end segment of this stage has a waterfall with logs going down it, so it's way easier to navigate with the upgrade. I liked how there was some like limited uh, terrain destruction you could do if you had Magma Dragoon's weapon. You could burn down some sections of trees and stuff. Yeah, there's a section of a tree you can burn and they'll have the heart container that increases your life maximum. There's a few spots where they try to drop snakes on you and some spiders set up some web traps, but yeah, you know, pretty straightforward. You just have to not rush ahead, otherwise it will get caught in all of it. And you get to the boss, and it's Web Spider, who makes a weird noise when he walks around, where he goes, shrek, 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 shrek. That is also another sound effect that has been lodged in my brain for years. <laughs> yeah, also, he's defending a giant cannon that they're hiding in the jungle, so... Yeah, I don't know what that's for, Rebel Force. <laughs> that cannon grew there naturally. What do you have against biodiversity? <laughs> I don't know if it's shown yet, but it's not treated as a big reveal, but the space base that the Repla Force wants to build has a giant gun on it also, so you need a space gun and an earth gun? Well, I mean, you can never have enough guns, right? <laughs> you need the space gun for shooting at the earth, and the earth gun for shooting into space, Sid. I don't understand why this is difficult. Web Spider also launches these homing webs at you, mostly just sort of hides in the trees. He sucks. He's a coward. <laughs> and uh, once you do enough damage, then he'll form a giant web that he'll move around on and also spit out smaller crawling spiders that will go up the walls, so you have to be careful if you're going to take cover on the wall to dodge his homing webs and also not bump into him. Web Spider is, is interesting because it's one of the only video game spider bosses that, that's not scary, but only because you're too busy being annoyed. <laughs> I'm glad he's dead. I'm glad X killed him. You know, usually I can I can I can mourn for them because because they, they have they have personalities. Web Spider is, is just just a jerk. <laughs> and for beating Web Spider, X gets Lightning Web, which shoots out an energy web just a set distance, so it can go through walls or just end up in a wall. 
it does constant damage on the spot it lands, and also X can use it as a platform to wall jump off of, which will be important for an upgrade later. And Zero gets Raijin Geki, which you just press the special attack button without doing anything else, and he'll do a lightning thrust attack. Uh, standing thrust attack, he doesn't move forward or anything. It does a lot of hits, it's actually I think more powerful than a full combo, or at least a little faster to get to the multi-hit part. Hmm. Next stage is Storm Owl, which uh, is kind of suspect because Mega Man X1 had Storm Eagle, though there is, I think, in the uh, the comic or some other extended material states that Storm Owl always had a rivalry with Storm Eagle. That's awesome. Which I can understand if really? you were Storm, also bird, but less cool bird. <laughs> so here, here's actually a question while we're comparing the two. Uh, I always thought that the, the, the pulley platforming system thing in, in Storm Eagle stage in X. I never really like sort of waiting for pulleys to slowly move along a circuit. And it always sort of seems pointless because like, why are these pulleys here in this level design? Which, I mean, platforming level design is always kind of unrealistic, but... So the the plane is kind of the only thing that I really like about Storm Eagle stage, the plane at the end being like yeah. the, the stage. Whereas Storm Eagle stage, I like pretty much everything except the boss fight. Storm Owls. Like, just the, the palette is really cool, and there's all the planes going around, and you're in, in the sky, and you can sort of see the, the, the city underneath. Like, I, I love all the all the colors, and you get the cool ride armor. Like, I love this stage. Yeah, the ride armor in this stage has wings and a giant cannon on it that you can charge up. That one's my favorite. And it shoots out seeking shots. Yeah, that one's really cool. And it can air dash. So this section, there's a bunch of charging cannons in these positions and some smaller enemies. So you don't want to be aligned with the cannons, but you also need to move around to hit all the smaller enemies. And there's also these big cannons attached to ships that kind of remind me of the like iconic shot from Independence Day <laughs> <laughs> that blow up these other blue platforms below them. Oh, yeah, yeah, there's that one where, where it's powering up and you have to, like, go through it and then go back for a heart or something. Well, it's just got a heart container on it, so you can't, like, hang back and be super cautious, or you can restart the stage to get it again, but you'll miss it the first time. I hate upgrades like that. This game loves doing that, where you have to, like, you only get one shot at it and you have to kill yourself afterwards. And that's why X6 is a total nightmare for everyone. <laughs> that's actually a pun, and I didn't intend to do that one. <laughs> I, I wasn't sure how uh, how harshly to make fun of you for it, so I'm, I'm glad you acknowledged. <laughs> yeah, the giant charging cannons are really only a problem. The Independence Day ones, like, if, you get, if you're on the platform, then you're not going to recover from the stun before you fall to your death. But that's really the biggest risk you have of falling to your death in this stage set in the sky, weirdly. Makes you feel pretty cool. Yeah. And after that, you have a stage that's more indoors, like in a bigger carrier. And this is where you can use lightning web, because there's a wall of spikes. There's no other way to get up it. Hmm. But actually, to get to the parts, because this is something that took me a while to figure out when I was younger, if you do a regular jump off of a wall or a lightning web, you don't get as much height as if you dashed into it and then did the wall jump. Really? This is the only place where that matters, because you can't do anything else to get to the upgrade, which is also a series first in that there are two capsules here for X's arm parts upgrades. There's either the one that gives you 
blue gloves and gives you the ability of stock charge, where you hold down the button and you'll stock up four charge shots, which I think is the much better one, or the one that gives you the red gloves that look cooler, but it gives you plasma shot, which after you fire a fully charged shot, which kind of looks like it has a spinning CD in it, I guess because that was a really cool aesthetic because the game was on a CD, but it'll leave behind a smaller energy ball that will constantly hit something wherever it lands, but most of the time what it will lead to you doing is triggering something's invincibility so you hear the knocking noise of it not doing any damage. Hmm. I always got the red gloves, probably because I was just a dumb kid and thought they looked cooler. They do. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching the long play and that person got the stock charge instead, and I was just like, what is that? I've never <laughs> seen that before. <laughs> yeah, I think it's behind the other one. Like, Dr. Light does mention that, you know, there are two choices, but then you have to sit through the cutscene again of him talking. <laughs> the choosing thing, I was wondering if that was like a their attempt to follow up on the, the chip system in X3 that they took away, where you could sort of further upgrade your upgrades. Yeah, I think it was maybe in part inspired by that. Because you could pick, like, one chip, or if you did everything, you could get the gold chip that does everything. But, yeah, I'm not sure. Though, you can come back to the stage, actually, and pick the other one whenever you want. Hmm. I mean, you can try them out on the spot, really, so I don't know why you'd be, like, at the end game. Oh, strategically, now I need to switch to the functionally similar but different arm parts. Like, there's never really a reason to do it. <laughs> I think this would also inspire in the later X games where you could get different armors completely. Hmm. Though this is the last game where you get the armor in parts and you can use it before it's complete. Do they keep that going in the PlayStation 2 ones? Where you have to get all the parts before you can wear the armor? Because that's the worst system. You need to get all the parts in Mega Man X7, um, but you're already on the losing foot because you're playing Mega Man X7. <laughs> but in Mega Man X8, you can... Use the parts as soon as you get them, but getting any part immediately gives you the full, like, new armor design. <laughs> so it's kind of unsatisfying in the opposite direction. Because <laughs> once you have that armor, like, the only thing that changes is what color the parts glow. Is it sort of deemed, the plasma one is the only one that I see, like, speedrunners or anyone using? Is that, like, the official better choice? Really? Do they do the plasma? I thought they did the stock charge. Maybe I've just been seeing bad speedrunners. <laughs> most speedruns, I usually see people use the partially charged shot. Hmm. Again, there's no boss door for this one for Storm Owl. You don't even fight him in a very open space. It's just a flat floor with then another smaller platform above it. For this one, he fires three-way, like, puts his fingers out and shoots his nails at you. <laughs> and also sends out wind orbs, which, if they catch you, they'll do, like, a slam attack on you. It looks pretty cool, actually. It's a weird boss fight. Any boss fight where the boss spends like 90% of the time off off camera and you sort of have to be ready to, to intercept him always feels kind of cheap. Yeah, that's fair. It, it's less like a sword fight and more like uh, trying to sword fight a graboid from uh, Tremors, which would also make for a cool action scene. <laughs> I can get behind that. His only real addition in Phase 2 that he can summon these giant tornado attacks. They take up a lot of vertical space, they're not like a Storm Eagle Storm Tornado. I mean, if we're talking direct comparisons, that fight you had the risk of being blown off the stage and he would dive in from the top at you. This 
This fight's a lot more safe. Also kind of weird, because Magma Dragoon's boss arena had the lava on the sides, so there was actually more of a platforming risk in that one. Yeah. And for beating Storm Owl, X gets Double Cyclone. What it does is it shoots the little wind orbs uh, diagonally upwards in a little arc in two directions, which is a very specific enemy layout. Yeah. I don't think it ever comes up. <laughs> Meanwhile, Zero gets Tenkuha, which turns his Z-Saber into a purple Z-Saber. Uh, that can destroy enemy projectiles, and it looks cooler with Black Zero. Very true. Next stage is Frost Walrus, and this one immediately starts with a visible reference because there's the frozen corpse of Blizzard Buffalo in the back. This one has much more atmospheric music. Hmm. I mean, ice levels generally have pretty good music of that sort, but in this case, especially for this series, I think a lot of ice stages definitely had a lot more energy and fun to them, and this one, I actually don't think this part has any percussion at all. Hmm. Yeah, it's very, like, kind of quiet and melodic. Yeah. Most of the enemies here are these small snowboarder dudes, and snowmen, and yetis. You'll mostly encounter the snowboarder guys on these forming and disappearing ice slopes. Like, it appears at first like maybe they're obscured from your view and they come into it, but no, they actually are forming and disappearing repeatedly. <laughs> but they don't do a ton of hazards with them, but it does keep you moving. And there's also these slowly rising ice platforms that are just like crack when they hit the ceiling. Hmm. Also, there's an item in this stage, I didn't even realize I was missing it for a lot of the times I played this game, called an EX tank. If you completely run out of lives, you'll start with three again, but if you have the EX tank, you'll start with five. That's all it does. Oh. Is this the only game where that's a thing? I think so. Is that the one that's, like, way up on a cliff and you have to use the lightning web to get to? Or the dash jump, which I could never work as a kid. Mm. Like where you wall wall jump while dashing? Yeah, I could never figure out how to do that either. I suppose you'd try checking that direction if you had a pretty good sense for secrets, but if you look at the screen, the spot where the EX tank goes, I don't know, it doesn't feel empty without it. Hmm. But I mean, it's the kind of thing that I, I think you just completely miss it. Like, you just find extra lives in this game. Stages aren't that long, you don't need checkpoints that much. Yeah. Here's actually a point. I was gonna say there are like most games where, where there there are ice physics and you, you slide along platforms, that's always really obnoxious. And I feel like there aren't even a lot of Mega Man games that do it very well, but this one I kind of like the idea where with all the snowboarders and you're sort of like timing jumps, and it's sort of like in OG series Mega Man 8 where you're on a snowboard. But you're not on a snowboard, it's just sort of trying to time your jumps while you're sort of floating. Which I think is sort of what you want to do if you're trying to bring in ice physics, like to actually play with it. Yeah. And the EX tank is sort of above, like right where you're sort of getting ready to turn while you're doing the slope. Yeah. So that's sort of why I would always ignore it, because I'd sort of be getting into the vibe of moving. Mm-hmm. Ice physics are otherwise not too harsh, except when you're on slopes where it'll make you accelerate really fast. And yeah, the EX tank is right by there, so you just have to say, they're kind of shunting me in this direction pretty quick. What are they hiding? <laughs> when you get to the end of this section, there's a sub-boss that's this giant ice claw. And I think the weirdest thing, I don't know if either of you felt this way, but 
the actual ice cloth thing that forms, it looks like it's shaded like an SNES game. Yeah, kind of. It kind of looks like it came out of like an older Mega Man X game. Yeah, it's very strange, because the actual core part is shaded like everything else in the game. With like a, a sort of richness of color, but it seems like there's far fewer on the ice hand. Hmm. This fight's not too bad. Uh, the boss usually just does a thing where it'll form spikes on the ceiling, try to crush you with them, or ram into you. And after you do enough damage, it turns into an ice spike ball that'll ping around the arena. It would be probably more challenging, but it doesn't have a lot of health. And like, Zero especially can tear through this thing really quick. Yeah. I like the idea of the boss, like how it uses ice to kind of change its own form. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't get the chance to do a whole lot. <laughs> But after you kill this sub-boss, you get teleported to Area 2, and this has much more melodic music. This is the only Area 2 where the music outright changes between the two sections. This one is much more about maneuvering around these frozen ice cubes, and you want to destroy them in such a way that you don't set off bombs that could hurt you or release enemies. Since it's a constrained space, having the flying enemies that can shoot at an angle is pretty bad for you. And also you need to break them in a specific order if you want to get the weapon tank, which you can use to refill your special weapon energy. The the bomb and the block thing was kind of interesting because that was the same shtick they used for, what is it, Grenade Man in Mega Man 8? And so they're sort of like opposite themed bosses with the same gimmick, which is kind of cool. Mm -hmm. Not opposite. Explosions and ice are not... Uh... <laughs> in a way. Explosions, the opposite of ice. Well, yeah, like, I mean, I have a nice cold drink in front of me, and if you put a grenade in it, it wouldn't be a nice cold drink anymore. I feel like there's probably a One Piece character who, who loves drinking a glass of grenades. <laughs> yeah, probably. Also, this area has more of the Mets. They're the little army helmet guys that have a little face underneath and just two little legs, and they're adorable. Later in the stage, there are these bird enemies that, if you don't blow them up for a certain amount of time, they'll glow, and then the screen will white out and get covered in ice, and it'll add a hazard to that small section. Those guys are cool. Yeah, they look really cool. I feel like that's a very Mega Man X, or the original Mega Man sort of enemy, like those guys that would light up the screen. Or like those, uh, the weather control things in X2. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I like enemies like that. They're really fun. So after you clear that section, you reach Frost Walrus, who's most notable for being huge. <laughs> <laughs> Again, uh, sort of like, was it just Frost Man in 8? Yeah. He's a giant, too. Though, like, Walrus feels bigger in a way that feels like one-upping. <laughs> Walrus's attacks are all just taking advantage of his size, so he'll try to belly slide at you or jump around, and mostly you just have to try to move out of the way like before he commits to it, because if you don't, the floor is kind of slippery, so you can't react on instinct as much as you can with the smaller bosses. Hmm. He also summons a giant frost tower, and either pushes it at you or tries to drop it on you. This boss was always notable to me for being like the disparity of difficulty between just using a buster versus using the weakness was like so huge yeah if you use the uh, rising dragoon's weapon on him it knocks him into the side and then he always does the same attack afterwards where he like slides across the ground towards you mm -hmm. and it just becomes like it's not even a fight at that point <laughs> yeah 
It took a little more research to remember all the attacks these bosses have, because once you know their weaknesses, pretty much every boss in this game is completely trivialized. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, in NES Mega Man, like, obviously the weapons would do more damage if you use the right weakness, but at this point, if you use the weakness on them, it also, like, knocks them out of whatever they're doing. Yeah, it completely, like, resets their AI. Yeah. So for beating him, X gets Frost Tower, which is that ability that he used. It also gives you invincibility when you're inside of it, but it doesn't move. So I guess if you were in a really tight spot, you could use it to give yourself a couple extra seconds to think. Usually you spend that time uh, thinking and then you decide to do the same thing over again. <laughs> and Zero gets Hyoretsuzan, which is the falling ice attack you can do from midair creates a big icicle that drops and shatters when you hit the ground which looks pretty cool <laughs> yeah i like that attack for zero it always seemed a lot easier to use than uh x's version downward stabs in most 2d platforming games are generally the best bet though also like it locks you into that downwards motion so i can remember more than a couple times i did hiretsu's on a little early and I was over a pit, and I just helplessly sailed off screen. Oh no. <laughs> it's the worst. So after you beat four Mavericks, you will get a message from Colonel who wants to meet at Memorial Hall and have a showdown. This is also something that's kind of interesting. If you're playing a Zero, then you get a fancy anime cutscene where Zero tells Colonel to stop the coop. I'm disappointed in you, Colonel! What do you think you're doing? It's not too late. Stop the coop now! <laughs> if you're playing as X, instead of that, you'll get an actual boss fight against Colonel, which is interesting because it'll give you practice for when you fight him for real later. So for this fight, he'll fire energy saber waves at you and also teleport to where you are, but only on the ground level. So you have to jump away, because he'll slash and then he'll dash away. I like this fight a lot. In the same way that I like Magnet Dragoon's fight, just because he's very, like, fast, and he has a lot of interesting moves. And also his voice sample when he slashes, where he's like, Oh yeah, that sounds really fighting game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At this point with X, or later on with Zero, like, he's always where I end my runs of this game, because I just, I just can't do it. He's not my favorite boss. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree. I'm bad at this boss. I'm not great at it, for sure. And it is a little weird because you can have his weakness by this point, but if you don't, then you have to do it. You can't pick other stages, hmm. right? If you have enough trouble with it, that you would just think, I guess I can't play Mega Man X4 anymore. <laughs> yeah, which is kind of weird. I, I kind of like this, like the the fact that it locks you down from from getting stuff. Like if you'd want to get the mid-boss's, like, weakness is kind of weird, but I, I really like sort of the idea of a breather in the middle of the... Not a breather, but, like, a, a weird intermission. Yeah, change of pace. Yeah. If you beat him as X, then you just, you know, this isn't over, and he leaves. Whereas with Zero in the cutscene, Iris shows up, because Iris is the colonel's brother insofar as that matters, <laughs> and just makes them stop fighting, and then... Tells Zero not to not to kill him, and also tells Colonel not to kill Zero, and 
Of course, since this is a Mega Man game, that will definitely happen. Mm-hmm. All right, next up is Jet Stingray's stage, and this one is an entire gimmick level because you are pursuing him on a ride chaser, which is a future jet ski. Yeah. And it has a cannon on the front, and also when you dash, it has a little energy blade that slashes through stuff in front of you. This is another one that was also in X1, I think. No, it was X2. I know Overdrive Ostrich, you have you can jump on one. Yeah, on Overdrive Ostrich's stage, you can get on one and kind of go back and forth sort of freely. I never liked how it controlled, but I think you needed to get one upgrade. I actually really liked being able to turn around with the X2 one because I think I played this one before any of the other X games, and it always killed me. Like, I'd always miss the energy tank in this one, and you couldn't turn around. So being able to do that in X2, I, I really appreciated. Yeah, because this is one of those stages that scrolls automatically, and if you don't keep up, you'll get crushed against the side of the screen against nothing. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah, the stage was fine, but I kind of I didn't really care for the for it. I'd probably like it less if the music wasn't really fitting. Hmm. That's true. The music is really good in the stage. Now, now here's a, here's a question: Is this the first stage where? It- it's like entirely like a gimmick when you're on a motorcycle or whatever. I know like seven and eight sort of leaned on that a lot more. Uh, yeah, this is the first one. Well, in that case, it's the worst level of the game. <laughs> I liked it here, but when it came up again and it's an X5 and an X7 and X8 and stuff, I'm just like, it wasn't that good. <laughs> like, it's good <laughs> enough to do once, I think. And then you learned your lesson. <laughs> but also to navigate the stage, the easiest you have to realize too that the dash for the bike, even if you go off an edge, unlike with X, if you're on the ground and you dash off an edge, you won't fall, you will keep going straight. That, and sometimes you just have to drop down. Like you don't have to do anything, especially if you want to get the heart container in part one. You just have to drop. You have to move ahead, I guess, so you don't get crushed by the screen. But other than that, like jumping around and trying to predict it actually will probably get you killed more than just moving. And then at the end of part one, you have to keep dashing to break through a bunch of barriers. And it, there's so many explosions too that if you think there's not constantly barriers you have to keep dashing through, you'll definitely die. Yeah. Part two is in a much more open area. There's some like spike balls. I guess they're supposed to be depth chargers, but they don't explode. There's just some of those that you have to jump over on the water level, and you have to make a tricky jump upwards to get the energy tank. That's to fill your health. And also at one point, Jet Stingray will appear actually, and attack you. Which I thought was kind of neat. Yeah, I like that he pops up in the stage. It kind of dispels the, like, oh, he's just waiting in this one confined room until someone walks in and fights him. It's You also have, like, the rival um, motorcyclists in, I think, the first part and the second part both. Mm-hmm. I really love stuff like that. Like, that, the, the guy in the opening stage, like, showing up and trying to claw at you, and... Um, in the first X game, where, like, different bosses, if you've defeated them, like, the lava in, what is it, Flame Mammoth stage, like, won't won't be hot anymore and you can walk on it. Like, yeah. that, that sort of stuff is always the best part of the game, like, the bosses interacting with you and affecting things. Because usually they're just sitting in a room. 
Yeah, it seems like the series should have moved more in that direction of interconnectedness. They did that in X1, and X2 and X3, I don't really remember that. They really didn't. And then X6 tried to bring it back in a really terrible way. But yeah, after you get through the section, the bike will just go flying off in the distance, and X0 will jump off of it. And there's also a health refill, actually, before this boss explicitly, which I remember being pretty nice. And uh, then you fight Jet Stingray. He attacks with dives, like he'll flow at the top screen and then rapidly dive down to hit you. He'll fire his weapon, the Ground Hunter, which will fly overhead, and then once you pass under it, it'll go down immediately to hit you. Or he'll shoot it down at the bottom of the screen and will move along the floor. And I think you can do both at the same time, so you really have to navigate around the middle of the arena more than other fights. I thought this one was actually pretty tough. Yeah, I hated this fight. (laughs) He's really difficult if you're just using the buster. Mm. And actually, even using Frost Walrus's attack against him Mm -hmm. makes it easier, but it's still got some challenge to it. I think this one and the Colonel are where I usually would call in my brother. (laughs) He also does an attack where he'll fly horizontally off-screen and then come in from the top or bottom. Sucks. It sucks so much when they do that. (laughs) And shouts, yeah. Wait, does he? I completely forgot about that. He's like, yeah. That's great. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, I I take it back. This guy's the best. He's a total bro. (laughs) Him and Mondo Gecko and all the other Ninja Turtle buddies, they should all just hang out. (laughs) Oh, wait, there was a Manta Ray Ninja Turtle buddy. That's what I'm thinking of. When he damages enough for phase two, he has a, a suction move. If you're far enough away from him, like you stay on the other end of the arena, there's nothing really to worry about. Hmm. I guess you can't really attack him as much, but it would be nice if the uh, the special weapons worked as counters to these special moves. So like you'd fire a frost tower and you'd suck it in and it would hit him. That'd make it so that you're not doing it all the time to make the fight pointless. Yeah. But it would also cut out the fact that you can't really attack them during these phases. Hmm. Oh, I think that's why the plasma is sort of one of the preferred weapons is because there are so many bosses that sort of lock down your position so you can't hit them, whereas the plasma, like, Mm. leaves that trail and then it'll keep damaging them for a few seconds while you're unable to hit. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. So for beating this boss, X gets Ground Hunter. It's the Ice Chaser from Metal Slug. Oh, yeah. Or the Ice Chaser, the Chaser something, the missile. Yeah. Little toy cars. Or uh, Search Snake from Mega Man 3. It's good against like certain very specific scenarios, like if you fight Web Spider afterwards, then this is good for the spiders that crawl up the walls. Like it seems tailor-made to counter that. Really nothing else. <laughs> you can shoot it pretty rapidly though. And Zero gets Hien Kyaku, which is an air dash move. Because this is how Zero gets additional abilities like that. You just have to defeat the right boss. This uh, sequence you're using is only for X play, right? Because I can't fathom playing any of this game without getting Zero's double jump, like, immediately. This one's not too bad. I feel like there are a lot of platformers with double jump where I really feel like I sorely need it. Though definitely, like, when I do jumps that I did in a single jump, if I have double jump, I will do that. Yeah. I guess Zero only has, like, four moves that would actually, like, hit a weakness instead of just making it easier to dodge an attack or something, so... I guess the sequence is less important with Zero. Yeah. There's no attack effect applied to it at all. You don't air dash into the boss that's weak against Ground Hunter. (laughs) It'd be great if you did. (laughs) That's the next boss, Slash Beast. 
So cool. Yeah, I really like the music on the stage. Is he meant to be related to Slash Man from Seven, or is that just they ran out of adjectives? <laughs> that's not even an adjective. That's just a verb. Yeah. <laughs> Slashy beats. Mega Man beat Jump Man. <laughs> Shoot Cat. <laughs> My favorite Mega Man X boss, Shoot Cat. Yeah, I like this stage a lot. It's the materials transport for Repliforce, so it's on a, a big moving train. Yeah, so now Mega Man is committing terrorist atrocities on, on public transportation. Is it public? I think it's a freight train. <laughs> <laughs> so the trick of this stage is actually it's multiple trains. Because there are Mets on here and also the Repliforce soldiers from the first stage. And they have their guns, but they also throw grenades. And at set points, they'll throw a grenade to blow up a coupling and you just have to jump off the train before you fall behind. It's cool. Yeah, and this is actually one of the one of the places where there's those Pratt falls because the first Repliforce soldier will throw a grenade and then lose his balance and fall onto the rail. Oh yeah, which is funny looking. Like it's not. It, it sounds terrible now that I said, "Ha!" He falls onto the onto the train track and gets crushed by a train. But now nah, he just blows up instantly. The second Repliforce soldier will also throw a grenade and blow up the coupling and seem to lose his balance, but then he runs off to the side. So he's actually there waiting for you when you jump over. And then you kill him. That's the same guy that's cute. I never noticed that. Yeah. And they're also uh, the bat enemies. This is, I think, the only stage they're on in X4. Uh, they were pretty common in all the other X games, especially on a armored armadillo stage. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're a fun, like, Mega Man staple, I think. Yeah. Just in general. I like them. They're, they're like metools that aren't super annoying because they're not, like, in your way on the ground. Which is kind of funny, because that's usually not the reputation of bats in video games. <laughs> right. Also, some of the trains have the giant charge cannons from Storm Owl's stage. And also, uh, this has the Energy Blade ride armor that was on Magma Dragon's stage. And the sub-boss for this stage is... Uh, I remember it being a cannon, but it's actually like... You jump off a train, and then another one comes up behind you. And it has, like, it looks like it has a fist, but the knuckles are these spears, and it shoots the spears at you. I never noticed that. Yeah. That's weird. <laughs> I remembered it as a, as a cannon, too. The cannon sub-boss is actually on Storm Owl's stage, and we didn't even mention it because it's not really worth noting. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, this thing, mostly, I mean, you can get kind of right up on it without much trouble and destroy it that way pretty straightforward it's not really any gimmick to this one outside of just shoot it a lot yeah but when you do the train will go into a tunnel and you'll enter area two where there'll be a bunch of broken train tracks you have to do a lot more navigating here watching out for pits i think i've fallen in the pits here a couple of times just because the enemy placement's a bit more tricky hmm. this is actually where the ride armors first show up it's not an area one and there's some boxes that I think with Slash Beast weapon you can break them, but also with wide armor you can break most of them. One of them has a heart container in it. But eventually you get on another train and it starts up as soon as you get on, which... I appreciate the change in pace, but it was a little weird. It felt like you were kind of dropping onto this train in motion and you were gonna fight your way to the front, but then there's a break and then you get off a train and then there's a train waiting for you to get on it. <laughs> I, I actually love this stage in general and that sort of part. They, they could have made it feel more like a train depot in the space between, but I, I liked sort of the idea of moving between tracks to chase different rails and stuff. I think it's cool. Yeah, I think just visually it might have been nice if, like, 
you got off, you went on some broken tracks, and then you jumped down and landed on a train that was in motion. Ooh, that would have been cool. Yeah. And then you approach uh, an open area. It's kind of funny, there's a... You just see a single crate, and then all these other crates, like, form the walls of the arena. You're like, oh, Slash Beast is gonna just bust out of that crate. But no, he comes running alongside the train, and then jumps on and smashes the crate. Is it one of the crates that you can't break without the robot? Uh, without the weapon, yeah. Because then that's a really cool way to introduce a boss, by showing <laughs> him doing a thing you can't do. Yeah. It's classic. Actually, this boss has one of a few similarities to uh, Slashman, because he does a lot of that dashing across the arena and doing jumping slashes. He's probably the most mobile of the bosses. Hmm. Well, actually, no. I'd say Split Mushrooms more so, but that one also taxes like your ability to manage multiple targets. This is just one fairly fast enemy. Fine thing about this boss is he's like super athletic and dexterous and is like jumping on the walls and stuff. But his weakness is the the seeker. Yeah, ground hunter. The, yeah, and it literally just like trips him and he falls over, <laughs> <laughs> which always struck me as funny. That's great. It seems like really the least likely weapon too. Yeah, totally. Because there's a problem that the series in general had after like two. What's the weakness of snake? What's the weakness of centaur? Yeah, well, like charge man. What's the weakness of trains? I don't know. <laughs> He's not on a railing. That's the only weakness I normally associate with trains. <laughs> <laughs> to have the animation respond like that is pretty funny. For beating him, X gets Twin Slasher, which shoots at 45, more like 35 degree angles in front of you, upwards and downwards, just two separate shots. That doesn't come up too often either, but it's a lot more useful than Double Cyclone, just because you can fire it fairly quickly. It allows you to attack off-angle a little more, and Zero gets Shifuga, which is a dashing slash attack that I always forgot to use. <laughs> Twin Slasher, if you charge it up, it can destroy blocks that Ride Armor X could. Shifuga can do it also, um, but there's never anything behind those blocks. You need to use this actually in Magma Dragoon stage in Area 2. There's a higher-up area with those blocks. And this will let you get the body parts for X, which will reduce the amount of damage you take. Also, when you do take damage, it'll fill up the energy for your Giga attack, which is its own separate button that you can unleash as the Nova Strike, which is an invincible dash move that does a ton of damage. Oh, yeah, I completely forgot that existed. Yeah, well, I mean, once you do it, I think even if you whiff, it completely drains the energy. <laughs> So it looks cool, but compared to, like, the Giga attack in X2, where it would look like X is about to do the spirit bomb or something, <laughs> where he just, like, stretches his arms out and just energy shots rain across the whole screen, a little less impressive. Yeah, I want to say uh, original Mega Man in 8 even has, like, a much cooler pose when he does summoning Astro Man's thing. Yeah. Which you don't really expect rounded Mega Man to have a cooler version of anything than X. <laughs> There's one more armor part for X, but we'll mention it when we get to it. But uh, I think we've mentioned Ultimate Armor X and uh, Black Zero. I just want to mention quickly like how you get those is actually when you're selecting your character. In the console version, it's more complicated. You have to do like, a button combination and select them. But on the PC version, it's just like 
press left or right to select Exo-Zero, but you can also press up or down. And you hold down up or down when you're selecting that character. And Black Zero will start out with his black armor right away. There's no gameplay benefit to doing this, uh, you just look cooler. And for Ultimate Armor X, you'll start out as regular X, except the light blue parts of his uh, arms and legs will be colored purple. I think all of his light blue parts. Uh, and as soon as you get into any capsule, uh, you'll get a different message from Dr. Light, and you'll get this really cool looking like purple and black armor with like a gold helmet crest on it. This gives you all the abilities of the armors. It lets you hover for an indefinite amount of time, and you can perform the Nova Strike as much as you want, which completely breaks the game. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's surprising. <laughs> but yeah, it rules. It's really cool. Like You can tell it left a big impact because they never designed a different ultimate armor after this game. Huh. It's pretty good. I think uh, we actually have an email to the effect of it, but... I think it's good that you can access this stuff with pretty basic cheat codes hmm. so that you can still experience the rest of the game. Uh, well, I guess in X's case, zero. It's not going to help you any. It's the best cheat code. It it adds new things to the game. That's the only reason. <laughs> it is also nice that it's a completely new set of armor instead of just, here's all the armor at one time, which would feel more like a regular shortcut. Hmm. And the Nova Strike animations also unique like for armor x it's the dash animation but for ultimate x he turns sideways and these wings pop out of his back for a second and he looks like a meteor it's great ultimate armor x in general is really good i was reading about um sort of how how popular like toys of ultimate armor x were apparently and that was sort of they they put extra effort because of that into uh ultimate armor x's design yeah, I remember the first time I actually saw Mega Man referred to Rockman was, uh, I can't remember what game magazine it was, but it was talking about just, like, merch for games, and it mentioned, here's a Rockman X3 armor figure. Oh, that's cool. And I'm like, yo, that character Rockman looks exactly like Mega Man. Who is that? <laughs> How weird. I had, uh, I think it was X4 Ultimate Armor uh, model kit when I was, like, 10, and I ended up having to put it all together with glue. Or maybe that was how it was meant to work. Mm. It was a very low-quality model kit, okay? Don't <laughs> don't invest. If someone's saying 1998 model kit, Mega Man, whatever, charging $700 because it's out of print for years, don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. It's a waste. <laughs> Next stage is Split Mushroom. This one, I think, gets the most art complaints because the background for this first section is a 3D staircase at a really bizarre angle that would not at all be what Mega Man or Zero's graphic would walk on it um, in real life. Yeah. I was just gonna say, I like the design of the rest of the level, but I do not like the staircases. I, I actually, when I was seven, I thought it was the coolest thing. But but it's it's a very, like, we're on 32 bits now, check out all the gradients. Oh yeah, when I was a kid, I was like, this is awesome. But looking back now, I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> that reflects well on you. <laughs> I feel like they had to do something because there's Mega Man 8 and this one and like the port of Mega Man X3, but there was also around this period with the PlayStation coming into popularity was that all 3D looked better than all 2D. Like I, I have a memory in middle school of playing uh, 
Super Metroid on an emulator. But、mm-hmm. my friend looks over, like, "Oh, is this one of those crappy like free games you got?" <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, let's go play some more.、Uh, Playing nightmare creatures, <laughs> yeah. Final Fantasy VII. Games <laughs> look terrible now. I、um, am shocked that nightmare creatures and Final Fantasy VII have been mentioned in the same breath. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, actually. I feel we should be doing a penance of some sort. <laughs> I was just trying to think of like a PlayStation One game, Metal Bomber Underground. There we go. Yeah. It also doesn't look very good. But yeah, so they had to do something, and then you know. Later that year, in Japan, like the next year in the West,、uh, they get Mega Man Legends, and then people again could be like, "This isn't the 3D Mega Man I wanted." <laughs> <laughs> and then Mega Man X7 would come out, and then they would all feel like fools. So for the staircase part of Slip Mushroom's stage, you'll encounter these enemies that they're in a lot of the,、uh, the Mega Man games. Actually, they have a sh- front-facing shield, and they pop it up to shoot at you, and that's when you attack them. There's some of those here, and there's some bats accompanying them, so you do have to, have to back off. Since the background is fake and you're not really like moving through a level, it's hard to really track like how your movements affect the enemies. But once you clear that, as、uh, a little teleporter,、uh, and this isn't considered area two, even though it moves you to a new scene. There's a walled-off lab with all these robotic plants with thorns coming out of them. Those things are cool. Yeah. Got little flowers that shoot energy shots at you. Little shutters that close behind you. Giant ladybugs. You think actually for the area boss, the Maverick would be a ladybug instead of a mushroom? Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't really fit. <laughs> I I like that the X series wasn't always animals, and they had like mushrooms and sponges and sunflowers. Mm-hmm. That was that was always really fun. <laughs> no, yeah, wire sponges in X two. So I guess once you reach that point. Though I still don't like Tornado Tunyon in X8 or X7. What is a Tunyon? It's an onion. What? What? She's an onion. I'm glad I skipped X7, <laughs> but that's also great. I mean, some of the boss names in、uh, the other X games people make fun of, but I'm sorry. Duff McWhalen is a great name. Yes. Metal Shark Player is a great name. Yes. <laughs>、uh, I really like the aesthetic of the stage. I like、mm-hmm. the like. Theme of nature kind of encroaching on technology. I think it, it's a really cool visual aesthetic.、Mm. This might be the stage with the most hazards, but it's kind of hard to tell. Like because the way the area looks, it feels the most hostile to you. Yeah,、mm. even more so than the volcano. <laughs> yeah, somehow. I like it because it it really follows along sort of the theme of like you're breaking into a mad scientist lair. So the subboss for area one is a bigger ladybug with spikes that pop out its back, and it just tries to break platform you're standing on once it finishes、uh, spinning up.、And、you can kind of cheat this boss by just like making it so the boss stops under a place that's already broken while you're jumping over it, or like using the hover. But when you don't realize that, it's actually kind of tense because if you run out of platforms, it's just spikes below. Yeah, this subboss is actually. Annoying and difficult the first few times I tried to fight it.、Mm. This guy, incidentally, according to the wiki, is named Tentoroid. <laughs> okay, sure. And the the smaller version that's invincible is called Tentoroid BS, which is quite accurate. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> so after you defeat the subboss, you go to Area Two, which has a second 3D staircase. 
which has similar enemy layout, but it also adds the, like bouncing spinning wheel enemies, uh, which when I said like your back and forth movements, it's kind of hard to tell how it affects stuff. Like the perspective and I think makes it really weird to tell how much you should back off or go forward. Hmm. Twin Slasher is pretty good here because it's about at the angle of the staircase. So after you complete the staircase section area two, there's a section where there's these drills that will actually like crack parts of the level so you have to move out of the way before you get pulled down with them. Which yeah, definitely adds to the feeling of the stage being hostile. Though you have to let them break one point and then sort of jump up on the uh, the open space that the, the crack section of the tunnel has uh, revealed to get an upgrade. Uh, hard container, I think. It is pretty tense though, and like it's easier to not know where the section that breaks off will start or end. And then you get to the elevator, and this section... I normally don't like stuff like this in games that aren't Streets of Rage 2, but this elevator segment, there'll be spiked vines that pop out that have uh, laser flowers on the end, and so you have to move out from under them and make sure you don't like jump back down on them while the elevator's passing them. And then once the elevator pushes far enough, it'll blow them up. And also smaller flying enemies will come in from the top. It's it's pretty well paced. Hmm. This one isn't as bad as like other similar levels in other platformers. Like I think even in other Mega Man games there have been a few of these segments and I'm never too fond of them. Usually I really hate areas where like you can shoot out the, the flower laser things and then they'll grow back a few seconds later. Usually that really annoys me. The the bees in Web Spider always like confused me because I was concerned with where all of the matter that was being used to build these bees, where it was coming from. Eventually they'd run out, it doesn't make any sense, uh, but when they're plants I kind of think it's cool, <laughs> and so I actually really like the same thing. I'm, I'm a huge hypocrite in terms of my design preferences. <laughs> but like seeing, seeing them like sprout out again, it's really neat. Yeah. When you get to the end there's actually a health and energy refresh. And you also don't enter this one through a traditional boss where you come up and the shutter just closes behind you. And then Split Mushroom shows up and man, this guy has an annoying voice. Yeah. I'm Split Mushroom, but you can call me Handsome Guy. <laughs> oh, I can't even do it. I can't do his voice. <laughs> I'm not a melting Teddy Ruxpin. <laughs> <laughs> Split Mushroom, his gimmick is that he summons these energy clones of himself to send out and run at you and do these circus flips and stuff. He'll also summon spores that are more slow-moving hazards, so you have to balance those against the clones and also Split Mushroom himself. And then, once he's in critical health, he will split into two copies of himself, and only one is the real one. This is pretty hard, actually, if you don't have his weakness. Yeah, it gets pretty tough at this point. Though again, his weakness just kind of makes the fight completely trivial. Though you do have to hear his uh, hurt sound for that. Ah, uh, his awful... <laughs> that awful sound. <laughs> it's kind of funny, though. N no. It's a little funny. It is. No, no. <laughs> okay. It is the first time you hear it, but not the twelfth. <laughs> <laughs> And it takes more than a few, like, to kill him. Like, it seems like it takes more than you really ought to. Like, they knew yeah. it was annoying. <laughs> Fungus is hard to get out, okay, Sid? 
So that's why you gotta shoot your electric spider webs at it. <laughs> Some of us electrocute them, yes. Some of them have exotic treatments involving spiders that were berets. <laughs> For defeating Split Mushroom, X gets Soul Body, which sends out a small copy of himself right in front that does additional damage. And his charge one actually creates like a legit X clone. Yeah, I like this weapon. It's really different. I was going to say, I don't think I ever enjoyed X's weapon with this because I knew what Zero got from this boss and it was so much better that like, it always just felt like a hollow reward. <laughs> I don't want a consolation prize. <laughs> yeah, Zero gets Kuenbu, which is a double jump ability, and Kuenzon, which is a somersault slash, which replaces his regular aerial attack. Once you have a Tenkuha, the purple saber too, like... You don't have to worry about bullets almost at all. Because <laughs> you'll just spin in a circle and blow every shot coming up at you at the same time. Yeah. I don't think after you get the spinning slash, you ever do a normal slash again in the game. <laughs> I don't think there's, there's ever, there's never a use for it. <laughs> all right. And the uh, final Maverick is Cyber Peacock. This stage is super cool. It's kind of like a cyberspace speedrunning challenge. Yeah, this stage is really interesting. You'll walk up to a certain uh, a panel, and then it'll put a little target on you and tell you to hurry up. And you'll have to rush through these areas with a ton of small, like, triangle things that sort of float in space and dash at you. And there's these yellow static orbs where if they grab you... It'll like hold you in place for a while. They don't do much damage. But if you either spend too long getting to the end, you'll see the hurry up thing pop up again. Also, if you get caught by these orbs, it will reduce your rank at the end. Because when you reach the portal at the end, the target will move off of you into the portal and tell you your rank, which is based entirely on how fast you went. And if you get S ranks for going as fast as... You can lose some time, actually. It's not as harsh as it seems at first. Once you know the level, you can pretty much nail it every time. But you get upgrades for each one. I think there's an energy tank, there's a heart container, and most importantly, somehow Dr. Light hid an armor upgrade behind an S rank in cyberspace. You can get the head parts for X, which is one of my favorite upgrades in the entire series because it lets you use X's special weapons if you don't charge them up as much as you want. I completely forgot about that. Yeah, that's that's super nice. Is that the only useful head upgrade in the series? I guess you can kind of like headbutt the blocks in one, and that's kind of cool. I thought that sucked, honestly. <laughs> I thought that was really... Because I always thought of like the head upgrade as the computer sort of <laughs> upgrade to his mind. And then X1 is like, you smash it with your head if you ram your head into it really hard. <laughs> upgrade, you're Mario. <laughs> Well, it's, it's one that you actually use, I guess, is... Well, yeah, but in a way that felt, to me, like, kind of contrived, like they couldn't think of anything, so they added some blocks afterwards. Like, that's probably not the case, but coming to that one later, I felt that way. I'll give you that, I'll give you that. But yeah, this actually made me use special weapons more often, which didn't necessarily lead to me doing it more in other... Mega Man games, but it did make me realize, hey, using special weapons during the stages is actually a good idea. <laughs> and now I'm picking up all this weapon energy that if I was using up my weapons, would refill them, so maybe I should use them in other games. 
Then you get to area two. This cuts out the ranking thing, but instead has these switches you press and they'll flip the stage upside down like instantly. And you need to do this to manipulate these giant purple orbs that will dispel these purple energy floors. There's no other way you can get through them. So you just have to manipulate that and move some hazards around. I, I always wish they did more with that mechanic. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of there and gone before it's really expanded on. It's like a, a step beyond, uh, what is it, Magnet Man, where you'd like flip your personal gravity. Yeah. But you're moving other stuff around. But I, I guess like already with trying to break things through the floor, like you're already sort of seeing the limits of what they were willing to program for that. So <laughs> I guess if you had to do more, it would just be obnoxiously janky. And then you get to the end of the area and fight Cyber Peacock, who has two moves he primarily uses. One is that he just tries to teleport on top of you. It's weird. Sometimes he does an attack where he brandishes his feathers, but a lot of times he's just trying to teleport on you. He's like, I'm touching you now. I've hurt you. I'm pretty sure people just like Cyber Peacock ride with me on the subway every morning. It's awful. <laughs> I'm not too hot on this fight. It's okay. I like the stage much, much better, though. Mm. I don't actually remember a whole lot about Cyber Peacock. That's fair. <laughs> you think like with the way the stage kind of had a really cool concept, they'd have a boss that was much more trippy. Hmm. Take advantage of the fact that he's a virus in cyberspace. Yeah, the stage was really cool, and then the boss at the end was just like, eh, okay. Hope you have soul body. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it's kind of weird because Cyber Peacock has like my favorite color combination, like purple and green as like his main colors but even the art of him is is just so bland like he just looks like uh the robot chicken from um the sonic cartoon series from back in the oh, 90s yeah. oh yeah <laughs> like he's got the same proportions and it's just really obnoxious <laughs> like he's just this skinny lanky dude with with admittedly kind of cool looking seaweed tails but it's wasted it's wasted <laughs> but when you beat him X gets aiming laser, which works by putting a targeting reticle in front of you alongside a little track, and you can move it up and down with the up and down buttons, and when it highlights an enemy, it'll lock onto them and you can press attack to just fire the laser at them. So this lets you attack in a pretty wide arc. I don't know that it does a ton of damage, but it looks cool, and it makes it a lot easier to just focus on navigating, like you just wait till you hear the lock-on noise. If you charge it up, it turns into a focused, straightforward beam that you can sweep up and down, but I didn't use that as much. It looks a lot more boring. <laughs> and Zero gets Rakuhoha, which is the Giga attack, which is tied to the same button that the Nova Strike is for X. And this actually has weapon energy, so you can only use it a few times. It's really situational. like It makes you invincible for the time you're using it, which is kind of short. But fires spread shot everywhere, so I didn't really use it at anyone except Storm Owl, because it's his weakness. Yeah, I didn't really use it that much either. Also, Zero yells out, get ready, whenever you use it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think if I played the game again, I'd probably be a bit more daring with it when I know I don't need it. Because <laughs> I've seen some speedruns, and using that to give yourself some invincibility allows you to save some time. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Alright, so with all the stages beat, you'll be informed that Repliforce is escaping to space, so you have to head to the spaceport to stop them. And this is a pretty short stage, but it is packed back to front with enemies. They counted on the fact that, as X, you have all these weapons with different 
attack patterns and defensive properties, and that Zero has his full range of motion and all his weapons, and he can blow up shots with his saber now. So there's, there's tons of Rapid soldiers with guns and grenades and bigger enemies, tons of those bouncing spike wheels that were in Split Mushroom Stage. Pretty intense, but it's not too hard. It mostly feels like you're just cutting through a lot of dudes. I liked it. Yeah. Is this another one of those stages that's like mostly in the air? Am I remembering that right? There's a fair number of hits, but it, I don't think it's up in the air, really. There are a lot of airships flying by in the background, though. Well, I, I guess I, I was thinking about how like the first like final dungeon level in games like this are always really cool, where you're like beginning the infiltration into the, the mountainside or wherever the bad guy lair is. It's always really fun, and... I like it when they when they really like build on the fact that it has a setting and isn't just evil bad guy lair full of monsters, which I, I felt like this level did mm-hmm. with all of the pits and everything. Conversely to <laughs> Cyber Peacock stage, I like the boss here a lot more than I like the level. <laughs> <laughs> you are you were wrong. Your opinion is incorrect. <laughs> I accept that. So you get to the end and Colonel's waiting for you. So if this, you're playing a zero, then this will be all new to you. But for X, it's mostly the same, except I don't actually think it's even restricted to phase two. He'll do a move where he summons thunderbolts that will appear in certain places. So you have to get in between, like there'll be two together and then three bunched together. So you have to get into the missing spot. It's a cool attack. It's got a cool like effect to it that I like. Yeah, it has a little build up before it strikes, so it's feasible for you to actually dodge it the first time you see it. Also, his attack patterns are, seem more aggressive than the Memorial Hall boss fight, so even if you have some experience with X, it's not entirely a repeat. Right, yeah. The conversation that the Colonel has, both with X and with Zero, is funny because it doesn't really make any sense. He's just like, no, we, we have to do this, we have to leave, and X is just like, no. I mean, the whole thing is kind of weird because I don't understand why X last zero isn't just like, okay, bye. The conflict at this point is just kind of confusing. Yeah. Also, you see ships flying around in the background. I guess that must just be the general, like, spaceport ships, though they do look like the ships from Storm Owl's fleet. Because when you beat Colonel, he says, Repla Force has already escaped from this space. Like, then what are all these ships here? <laughs> so, after Colonel tells you that Oh, the Repli Force already escaped, he dies, like for real. <laughs> then you get the final weapon stage, and if you're playing a Zero, someone will tell you that Iris has left with Repli Force, whereas Double just tells X to reconsider, it's far too dangerous. You have a really short stage before the boss fight in part one of Final Weapon. I also like the music in the Final Weapon stages, it's pretty good. Once you reach the boss, for Zero, Iris is waiting there, and she's upset that Zero killed Colonel. And you think was going to happen? <laughs> she she wants Zero to question, like, really what it is that he's fighting for. <laughs> and I think before the level ends, he does. Very loudly, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> she uses this gem to summon a giant like, ride armor-style mech, but it has a knight helmet on. It's a cool robot. Yeah, I actually really like the design of Iris's armor. When you hit it, it doesn't do any damage to its health, and it also sends out these little drone things that will fly at you. 
what you have to do is hit her enough to knock the gem that she's selling the mech with out of her, and you just have to damage that, though it also starts shooting lasers at you once you knock it out. And also her mech has a gun arm on it, so you have to avoid that, the drones, and the beam from the gem. Yeah, I like this fight. Everything about Iris is great. Yeah, it's pretty sad. I'm like, I don't want to fight Iris. Like, When you destroy the gem, you get an anime cutscene. Iris is laid out on the ground, hurt. Iris tells Zero that she wanted to live in a world where only reploids exist, which kind of sounds like she wants to kill all the humans. <laughs> or maybe just live on another planet, I guess. She wanted to do it with Zero. Here's actually a point from the wiki, which is that uh, Iris and the Colonel, according to mangas and stuff, I guess, um, the Repliforce was trying to develop an ultimate Reploid with both fighting spirit and a peace-loving heart. But uh, they, they decided that was uh, impossible to fit both into one, one being, so they made the Colonel and Iris as like two halves of the same robot, and Iris is the peace-loving half of this robot, which doesn't really jibe with her... Uh, bullet hell boss yeah <laughs> with her harder than colonel boss <laughs> well i guess the fact that she has to transform like that kind of works with it i think maybe there's a suggestion that transforming is what kills her but she'll do it for revenge then like zero tells her like there's no such thing as a world for reploids it's only a fantasy which is kind of a mean thing when someone's confessing their feelings for you to say, and also they're dying because you killed them. Yeah, that's pretty screwed up, Zero. <laughs> we will never be together, Iris, because you're dying. What are you talking about? That's a stupid dream. Don't <laughs> die. <laughs> and then he has his famous line. No, this isn't happening. There's no reason for me to go on. What? What am I fighting for? People highlight the one line, but his whole lead-up to that, like, he doesn't pause at all. <laughs> no. It's even better. Uh, I was watching the long play video on <laughs> two times speed. <laughs> so it's even better that way. That's awesome. But yeah, he's got the nice anime yell. I wish he'd been voiced by the guy who did Dr. Light in Mega Man 8. <laughs> <laughs> what am I fighting for? <laughs> You know, Homestar Runner would be a great addition to the Mega Man X series. Uh, now we're going to get to the cutscene I mentioned that uh, that messed with me as a kid. When you're playing as X, once you leave for the final weapon, you get a cutscene of Double hanging out in the, the Maverick Hunter base. And he falls over and drops something, and the other Reploids call him a freak. And they're like, ah, oh, watch it. And he gets a call from Sigma and says it's time. and he transforms into a much more fancy-looking and obviously evil robot. <laughs> and his name's Double, you get it? Hey. I can't believe they named the Double Agent Robot Double. Like, come on. <laughs> I, I actually empathized a lot with, with Double's character arc as a kid, because when I was little, I, I too was a fat yellow robot. <laughs> I too transformed when I got older into a machine with energy blades. Those are some sick gains. <laughs> he transforms, and then you see the robots freak out, and then this really intense, evil, like, hard rockin' music plays. He dashes at them, and a little energy blade pops out his wrist, and he cuts these reploids, and, like, it's supposed to be oil, but it is 100% red, like, blood. Yeah, it's blood. Like... <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I just saw this cutscene out of context when I opened up the CD. I'm like, oh, why is there so much violence? <laughs> this really surprised me too when I played it. You know, at eleven or ten or whatever, because I was like, "What? Wow, what is happening? <laughs> How did this get past?" I mean, I guess it's rated teen, but yeah, I guess so. The most egregious one is there's a shot of cutting someone's hand off. Yeah. Oh man. Wouldn't even kill them. <laughs> One of the Reploids in the base is on, uh, you know, he's on the walkie-talkie radio with the future robot X and tries to get him to respond. And then he gets cut down by Double, and then X is like, what's going on? And Double answers. And his voice also sounds different at this point, so, like, X wouldn't really recognize it. Nothing to worry about. No further transmissions unless necessary to carry out the operation. Understood. I'm breaking contact. And now, X will be my next target. <laughs> well, there's nothing to report, which is also super suspicious. <laughs> he just says nothing to report, and then X is like, well, don't call anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I also like the way Double delivers the line, now X will be my next target. Like, I just want to hear the voice actor for Double say, hey. <laughs> One of those voices. It's not really delved into, but uh, Double's office at Maverick Hunter HQ is uh, in, in a bathroom stall where he sells sells the kids drugs, just like the Fonz. <laughs> yeah, then when you get to the boss gate, he's in his normal football dope form, and X is like, what are you doing here? And then Double transforms. He has, I think, a couple different lines when he starts, but one of them's like, I'm so going to enjoy ripping you apart. Yeah. <laughs> And then that, like, hard rock and evil murder theme comes on as a boss fight. It's so intense. I love it. But for his moves, he throws these, like, spinning energy blades and also will jump at the ceiling and then dash along the floor at you. And I can't tell. It sounds like he's shouting evil slash, but it also has at times sounded like he's saying diva slash. <laughs> no, no, no. It's Devo slash. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I like his his spinning orbs that he throws out, because he shouts out, destroy, destroy. Yeah. <laughs> Which is weird, because like, the throwing the spinning blade attack is not really like the most aggressive destruction-looking attack. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> and then when you beat him, X is still like, I trusted you, which, that's because you're an idiot, <laughs> Yeah, and Double pretty much tells him it so. He's like, yeah, you're an idiot, that's why you trusted me. So he says his naiveness is his fatal flaw. That's not a word. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, and that's just stage one. When you get to stage two, though, there's much less drama, but it's split into an upper route that has mostly spike traps you want to navigate around, and a lower route that has a lot of bottomless pits, but also a ride armor to help. Well, the final weapon stages just incorporate enemies from all over the game, so the lower route of final weapon stage two has the beehive from web spider stage. The worst. <laughs> the worst. They're in space. They can't even draw extra matter from any... That's just wasteful. <laughs> but I'd like to reiterate, the final weapon is a giant space gun that, completely independent of what we're supposed to suppose is Sigma's involvement, Repliforce didn't want any trouble. They just built a home that's a gun. Yeah, they just built a giant space station that can also destroy the Earth in one blast, apparently. <laughs> For self-defense only. <laughs> I guess. 
Yeah, that's why if someone breaks in my home, I have my grenade launcher ready. <laughs> no, 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 Sid. If someone breaks into my home, I have a moon-mounted death laser. <laughs> someone breaks my home, I'll destroy the whole planet. Trained on my apartment at all times. So at the end of the stage is General, who is even more gigantic than Frost Walrus. And so, of course, Axe has another, or Zero has a, why are we fighting? And then he's like, well, I have to. Wait, 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 wait. Was that, was that Mega Man saying, why are we fighting? Or was that Mega Man 8 Dr. Light saying, wow, we fighting? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, in his words, I have no choice. <laughs> oh my god, that's right. <laughs> he's so cool. <laughs> Yeah, but for his fight, he mostly has, flies his giant mass towards you, so you have to jump all the way up the wall to get over him. His design incorporates brass knuckles. Yeah, he throws <laughs> off rocket punches, but I like to think running into his head means you get stabbed on his giant mustache. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he unleashes these rocket punches at you, though like you actually have to stand on those for platforms, kind of like Sigma, the final form of that in X1. And then where his hands were from his arms, he shoots more energy shots at you. So you have to navigate those, avoid touching the flames from the part of his rocket fists or bumping into him. And when you beat him, he is actually not dead. He's just critically damaged. But then the giant space gun gets turned on. <laughs> Who could do that? <laughs> Who could have seen this coming? Yeah. This is like Chekhov's giant space laser gun. <laughs> <laughs> well done. <laughs> So, stage 3 immediately goes to boss refights, staple of every Mega Man game, though Mega Man 1 and X1 had you go through a stage and fight bosses that would appear in set places, which I actually like a lot better than just getting into teleporters where you can't tell what boss is going to be in them before you get in them, so why let you choose them in whatever order? Yeah. And you have all the weapons or equipment that you're going to need anyway, so... <laughs> but yeah, there's all the boss refights... Really no twist. I mean, the environments are all reskinned to look like the final weapon area, but that's not really more interesting than the regular arenas. Once you get all that, you activate the central teleporter, and before you reach the boss gate, Sigma appears in, like, a Grim Reaper form. And if you're X, X will just be like, What? Sigma? How is this possible? Again, again. <laughs> Again. But I killed you without due process or a trial multiple times, Sigma. How are you still alive? Well, it's not a crime after the first time. Haven't you seen... Um, Double Jeopardy. Double Jeopardy, yep. <laughs> well, no, I'm, I mean, I, look, you, you can't sentence a, a maverick to death just because just because he behaves a little weird. And kills everyone. Mega Man is abusing his power, yeah. No wonder Sigma's doing a little unwell after facing so much so much abuse. From a so-called peacekeeping force. That's actually relevant. So, if you're playing Zero, then you get a cutscene that reveals Zero's past. Sigma, who's at that time the leader of the Maverick Hunters, and some Red Maverick just tearing a bunch of other Hunters up inside this storage unit or whatever. Sigma goes in, and it's Zero. For this big showdown between two characters who famously have swords, like, I know Zero didn't have a sword next one or whatever, but he has a gun arm, and they are robots. They punch each other a lot. That's good. That's all? Yeah. It, it shows more respect, okay? I believe that the fist is the purest form of human communication. 
eventually Sigma does get his sword out. And so Zero responds by just pulling a pipe off of the wall, and Sigma's energy sword can't cut through a pipe. Far be it for me to have one of those why can't they make the entire plane out of the black box moments, but why isn't Mega Man X just made out of metal pipes? <laughs> Apparently he'd be invincible. Well, then he'd have to be have a name like Pipe Robot Boy. <laughs> you can't just call him X at that point. <laughs> I do kind of like the idea of the big follow-up to the Mega Man series a hundred years later being called Pipe Robot Boy. <laughs> <laughs> I entrust the future to you, Pipe Robot Boy. <laughs> so, Sigma seems to have an advantage, but then at one point, Zero just cuts Sigma's arm off using a pipe. Zero's about to finish him off when a giant W like glows on his head, causing him to have like some kind of fit. And so Sigma, with his one remaining arm, punches Zero in the head, and it shatters his crystal, and then comes out, like, missing an arm, and tells the team to take in the Red Maverick for Dr. Kane to research. And then it cuts back to the game, and I think this is... Well, no, I'm 100% certain this is a translation error. (laughs) Sigma says, Zero, you were a Maverick? And Zero says, are you that surprised? Which, uh... That's wrong. <laughs> should be Zero saying, I was a maverick, and Sigma saying, are you that surprised? Because Sigma's the one telling the story. Why would he be like, oh, you know, I told that story a bunch of times, but I never realized you were the maverick in that situation. <laughs> Sigma vanishes into the boss room, and there's a health we fall for it. And the boss room, by the way, is this, like, Satan temple with a giant horned skull in the background that's on fire. Yeah. It's cool. <laughs> Did they maybe not notice when they were building the final weapon? What's this room for? I don't know. That that must be where you, like, fire the gun, and you just have to, like, reach into the skull's mouth to, like, hit the button. <laughs> they just really want you to be sure that this is, like, okay, you're gonna do something real bad if you go through with this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, you have the first form boss fight where he's in the Reaper hood. Mostly just dashes across the arena with his scythe. I jumped over him for the most part. It turns out you can actually jump between his body and the scythe blade. Oh. That's really cool. Yeah, I didn't know that until I watched the long play. (laughs) My favorite part about this stage is he's weak to Magnet Dragoon's weapon because you're literally Mm -hmm. just setting his stupid cape on fire. (laughs) Yeah. And he has a voice like, oh, yeah, he's like, ah. his eyes look all googly. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> it's supposed to be his most intimidating form, and it's both the easiest and also the most hilarious. I think video games need more slapstick final bosses. Well, that part's slapstick. You, you blind them with pies or something? <laughs> I mean, that's how King's Quest works, isn't it? <laughs> so, after you do enough damage, his robe burns off, and... It turns out underneath that he has these sick robo abs he gave himself. Now now I'm I'm really sorry, I'm in love with the, the image of Sigma like redesigning his body to like pick up women or something. <laughs> Just like painstakingly molding his Cause you you know, if you could rebuild your body, you change stuff. Well, if I didn't need abs, I wouldn't give them to myself. <laughs> so he also has these like boomerangs mounted on his shoulders, and he still has the sight. But instead of slashing at you directly, he will throw it at you, and it'll either boomerang back to him, which is kind of excessive considering he has boomerangs on his shoulders already, but 
he'll also stick it into a wall and it'll spit out electricity making it so that you can't stick to that wall to avoid those other attacks which with the boomerangs they'll pop out and spin in place for a while and then come at you and return to him so you have to avoid all that and bumping into him it completely explodes and then a hole in the floor drops you into the next and final phase of the fight which is actually two separate forms of sigma one where he's like a head on a floating body with a giant like super scope laser gun <laughs> <laughs> And this form's accompanied by these three different CG heads that have themed elemental attacks for what color they are. And that usually appears in the top right corner. And then what appears in the bottom left corner is this weird, like, cyber horror head sigma. It's really screwed up looking, and mm-hmm. he'll either try to push you into, like, a spike wall that'll appear, or he'll try to suck you in. So for both of these forms, you have a pretty limited window in which to damage them. With the head, you have to worry about the other elemental heads attacking, and also when he's in the gun form, he'll say the end and fire a laser that blows up the floor. That one's not so bad, but then the other one with the mutated head, it's not really clear when he's vulnerable and when he isn't, because he doesn't change appearance, but you can't always damage him. Right, yeah. Yeah, this fight is so annoying. Because <laughs> it takes forever. And this is one of the cases, and the general fight too, where it's a lot. I felt it was a lot more difficult for Zero. Mm, yeah. Especially the hanging from the ceiling gun form. But also the head, because like you don't entirely know if he's going to push you away, which makes it hard for your melee attacks to connect, or pull you in, in which case you don't want to get too close to him or you'll take a lot of damage. Yeah, exactly. Here's a note on the visuals, like the extra heads in the in the body horror form and the gun form both have like really sort of wide flat areas that don't have like a lot of details that are sort of sort of much cleaner gradients and shading and stuff than pretty much anything else in the game which are usually like smaller and sort of busier sprites and uh it's really ugly and i'm <laughs> i just i just wanted to say that it's really ugly when this game has flat surfaces yeah neither of them have very like appealing designs the big body horror head like that's at least an interesting design but like the gun mm-hmm. version is just kind of I don't know. It looks terrible. It looks really bad. I I feel like it has has like a like a good sense of lines. Like if if it was like a busier design, I think I'd enjoy it a lot. It's yeah, it just seems kind of generic. Mm-hmm. These forms have separate health bars, and you have to destroy both to finally beat him. Also, the music for this phase of the boss fight kind of sounds like Double's theme again, but instead of just getting more intense, it sometimes gets a little less intense. Th- that was actually because in the original draft of the game, the character's name was Triple, and he was going to show up at the very end, <laughs> destroy Sigma, and say, I was playing everyone. I'm your friend. I wish. X. By the way, I think you and me and Zero should uh, go off into the mountains together. <laughs> so when you destroy both forms, you have to still walk out the other end of the arena and up to the cannon, because Sigma taunts X that, hey, the cannon's set to fire, no one can stop it. But when you show up, General, you know, what's left of him, shows up and says he can use his body to destroy the core. So he flies down and slams into it, and X or Zero, whoever you're playing as, will escape. Then you get the ending cutscene. In X's case, he'll recall, like, fighting all the major characters. (laughs) I remember all of the friends I failed to make. (laughs) He gets a call from Zero, and Zero's like, oh, I'm glad you're doing okay. And X says, 
what if I become a maverick? And Zero just completely dismisses it. He's like, no, you have to promise to take care of me if I ever become a maverick. And Zero dismisses him again. And X just flies off, and that's the end for him. And for Zero's ending cutscene, he sees the vision of the destroyed Reploids and yelling Sigma, also Iris dying, and then freaks out like, oh, I wasn't able to save anybody, which, yep, that's about right. He just says to himself, if we live long enough, we all turn out to be Mavericks after all. And there's all your foreshadowing for Mega Man X5, where the story will be concluded decisively, (laughs) and then something called Mega Man X6 will come out, and then also something called Mega Man X7. Uh, and then an okay game called Mega Man X8 came out. <laughs> then you get the credit song. And in both versions, I think it's not very fitting. X being like, I need my best friend to kill me in case I ever turn evil. Or Zero saying, we're all bound to turn evil, I guess. Then the ending credits in Mega Man X4 is like a very sweet ballad instrumental. The Japanese version is another licensed song by Yuki Nakama called One More Chance. That's a very upbeat J-pop song. They're both the wrong move. <laughs> it worked when Triple came back and said, please give me one more chance to redeem myself. <laughs> and yeah, I completely separately like found the ending theme from Rockman X3 called I'm Believer and... That one is way better. It's a fucking banger, honestly. I love it. <laughs> but it is like a cool house song. But at least it has some minor key notes in there so that it could have worked. <laughs> During the ending anime cutscene, there is music that's sort of like a sad reprise of the opening stage theme. My theory is that this, along with every other video game story involving a robot, the ideal ending song is uh, E-102 Gamma's music from Sonic Adventure. <laughs> Just sort of sort of ponderous piano. You're not wrong. So yeah, that's Mega Man X4. I think this is still my favorite one, and having played the other X games and a bunch of the other Mega Man games, this is still one of my favorites. I know a lot of people have issues with it, but I like it a lot. I think it's pretty tightly designed. Yeah, I think it's a really fun game. Actually, watching the long play today, I was like, I really want to play it again. <laughs> mm-hmm. Better than Crash Bandicoot 2. <laughs> I had both of them. I like them both, but yeah, I think X4 was better. <laughs> yeah, it's not just like I had a history with it and I beat it. It's like I feel like I trashed on Star Ocean 3 a lot and I'm gonna do it again, because why not? <laughs> I mean, this is a game I had a history with I like played through the whole thing. The first time I played through part of it, I was like, oh, this is really cool. And then the second time I played through it, I kind of got sick of it. And then I watched a speedrun of it and experienced that same emotional arc in the space of a speedrun, <laughs> where at the beginning I'm like, oh, this is cool, why was I so pissed off at this game? And then when it got like halfway through, I was like, wow, this is garbage. What is this? This sucks. But, I mean, I see Mega Man X4 and like, I mean, yeah, the sort of pre-rendered CG stuff is clearly pretty dated, but the sprite work holds up and... I think the game just feels good to play still. Yeah, and the nice thing about like pretty much all Mega Man games, besides like a few, is that you can take care of them in like an afternoon if you want to. Yeah. They never like overstay their welcome. I can see why people like stuff about X5, because it just expands out some of the ideas of like upgrading your abilities some more. And I know a lot of people want to switch between X and Zero. I like having the focused split stories. Yeah. I, I like the kind of 
different stories that you get from playing each of them. Mm. Though also, this is a kind of metric I sort of realized over time for like why like like X four more than X five or Resident Evil six more than Resident Evil five. It's that it's not just what I get to do in games that I like, but it's also what I have to do that really matters. It's so like X five has a an auto scrolling stage. That's Duff McWhalen's stage, actually. Great boss, but like, the stage is a really slow auto-scroller where you just fight like a giant slow submarine the whole time. Mm. It takes a really long time to get through, and whenever I'm thinking, like, I want to play X5 again, I think, oh, do I really want to do that part again? Yeah. Whereas in X4, there's not really a part like that. If I didn't know how to get through Jet Stingray's stage, it could be that, but I do. And when I replay it, it's pretty effortless. Yeah, like Jet Stringer's stage is is sort of annoying, but then like compared to Metal Shark Player in X six, which is like probably the most unpleasant stage in any Mega Man game, it, it's their world's different, <laughs> and I I'm trying to figure out how you'd categorize them. Well, there's a was it Burn Dino Rex's stage? I'm sorry. <laughs> or Matrex. Oh yeah, 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 Matrex. Yeah. Actually, it was Blaze Heatnix. But in Six as a stage where you fight the same boss with an increasingly large health bar. Four times, yeah. And it looks horrible, and like that is distinctly unpleasant to me. And I mean, I guess that's the proof that, like, even if you have the same feel from this game in X5, which I think is pretty nice, you can't carry a game on that. And I don't think they rested on their laurels with X4. You know, I, I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth here, but uh, I sometimes I think Mega Man X6 wasn't really up to the standard of the rest of the series. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, no, that's fair. Luckily, I haven't played 6. <laughs> Good. You're not missing... Okay, I'm not going to be uniformly trash on because the armor upgrades in that are pretty cool. What were they again? There's the blade armor, which it let you air dash, but you could hold your position in midair and then press a button to dash in a direction. That's cool. It looked really cool, too. And then there's the shadow armor, which protected you against spikes, and you look like a ninja, and you could jump up and cling to the ceiling and shoot ninja stars. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> See, now I'm going to play this game, Sid. <laughs> well, uh, cheat to give yourself the armors, and then see how much you like playing the stages with them. <laughs> they didn't introduce... Like, they didn't give X the Z-Saber until 6, right? Because Zero died. Yeah. Zero was meant to die at the end of, five, of X5, and then, like, the Zero series was meant to follow on from that, and, like, it could have been really cool if they just leaned in on X being the only surviving one. Yeah. And, like, did something with that. That could have been really cool. But instead, they kind of backed off of that. Like, well, we have to build on it and include everything. So they just give X, like, one move that isn't really useful or athletic or fun to use at all. Yeah, let me get to the point where in X7 you start the game as Zero, and then you get his partner Axel, and you have to put in work to unlock X. <laughs> and they say, like, oh, I'm not going to fight because I'm a pacifist. Like, You're still the leader of the Maverick Hunters. And be like, oh, the police chief didn't shoot anybody. He's a pacifist. <laughs> Thank you for joining in with my uh, with my alternate universe reading of uh, the Mega Man series. <laughs> But yeah, with X War and stuff, and when they expanded the dialogue out more, it's not great, but like the idea is like X doesn't want to fight. There's too much dialogue about that, but he does it because he has to. And then by X7, like, oh, that means he's a loser. <laughs> That's a real mid 2000 thing. It's like, pacifists are losers who don't want to fight. 
And once things get really bad, if they're really cool, they'll throw down and fight. Like, no, that's not what pacifism is. <laughs> that was a big trend, though. And yeah. Yeah, also X5 added ducking, which I know a lot of people really wanted, but I never felt like I needed to do an X4. Yeah. And I'll be like, oh, it's really useful against X5's first boss. Like, you mean the one that's supposed to teach you to duck because they added it to the game? Yeah, it's really useful there. You're not wrong, but you can't duck in other Mega Man games because you can move under it with the slide or the dash. That's the point. So if you want to get this game, you can buy a used copy on PS1 uh, in good condition, trending around like $15. If you want the Sega Saturn version... Uh, it's going to cost you at least $85, because it's, it's not that common. <laughs> and at that point, I'd suggest you emulate it. These games emulate pretty well, based on my experience. I don't know if the PC version works on modern computers, but it's really hard to even find a copy. I don't even know if my burned CD is still extant at all. <laughs> and if you're going to play on a computer, you could just, again, play it on an emulator. You might as well. <laughs> you, know, you can use emulators to play your legit bought copy of the game. If you, you know, don't have a PS1 handy, you don't want to emulate, you don't have a disk drive on your computer. If you have a PS2, you can get the Mega Man X collection, that trends around $13. From what I hear, it's a pretty good emulation of the games. They lost some stuff in the transition, but it's like, oh, there's no voice acting in the Mega Man X6 cutscenes, which doesn't really matter. <laughs> That's another thing we didn't mention, like, Mega Man X5 and X6 don't have, like, full anime cutscenes the same way. Also, I think the easiest way to get it is you can get Mega Man X4 and X5 as PlayStation 1 classics on a PSN. That's six bucks, and it even goes on sale sometimes to be three and a half or less. And you can play that on a PS3, on a PSP, or a PS Vita. Pretty convenient. They fit any of those form factors really well. It's affordable, which is definitely nice. It works on HD screens. That's a go for that. Hmm. And now we're going to get to some letters, and we're going to start with one, kind of long one, from Man Jackson. There it goes. Hi there. I think X4 is a huge disappointment. It has a lot of potential, but ultimately there's huge flaws in just about every aspect of it that end up killing it as an experience. The jungle level is really, really pretty, but other levels look like absolute garbage. The weird 3D pre-rendered thing has an age well, and while I didn't play the game when it came out, I don't see how anyone could have thought the perspective on the floors was good. X and Zero look fine, but the rest of the world doesn't look like they belong to it. X's Buster is great. The best it's ever been. Special weapons, though? Absolute garbage. <laughs> they were never that great after X1, but this game gives you the ability to spam them infinitely, so you'd expect to get some use out of them. But no, one of them is actually weaker than uncharged Buster shots. One is just Search Snake that you can drop out of the air early. It goes on and on. Zero I just don't like at all. The fact that the third hit of his combo hits multiple times, but sets off boss invincibility, so you have to sit there while he goes ting over and over is really, really stupid. And the optimal speedrun way to kill things, where you dash cancel your combo as fast as you can press the buttons, looks like some kind of really awful joke. I questioned the validity of uh, judging games by whether the speedrun is fun. Because <laughs> I, I don't think any speedrun is fun. That's just me. I mean, it's fair to say the third hit doesn't, but I think we mentioned earlier how it would feel bad if there was, like, one hit to the combo. And I feel like if doing two hits of a combo is never really viable, then it's sort of wasteful of potential. And I can see someone disagreeing with that, but yeah, I personally feel that way. 
Being able to hold dash to continually dash jump is nice, I guess, but it just feels like a workaround for the weird starting lag the dash itself has picked up. And I really hate to harp on the floor thing, but it goes a long way to making it feel like you don't have as total control over your character as you really need to. There's a really egregious moment in Storm Owl's level where at first glance, it really doesn't look like you can make it over the top of a spike on a single jump. And I'll say in response to this, the background spikes are shaded a little differently, and I can understand disliking the perspective, but at this point in the stage, you would, or at least I realized that having this background layer is part of the look, so I didn't really feel like I couldn't have made a jump. Mm. It, it is definitely like a weird angle that all the floors are at, but I feel like if everything was like to the side like it was in the Super Nintendo games, everyone would sort of complain about how, how dull the stages were. Yeah, how not next-gen enough it is. Yeah. And God the story. Colonel flips out over nothing. The entire Rebel Force follows his flip out. He's not even the leader. And they go up to space in a giant orbital weapon to try and settle a new planet or something? But oh no, Sigma was behind it all somehow, and the game tries to paint him as some sort of master manipulator, I think? When he did essentially nothing and an orbital death ray fell into his lap. I've gone over it and over and over in my head, and I'm still confused because none of it makes any sense at all. To which I will say, I'm not saying... It shouldn't be better if it can be better, but I don't remember the plot of X2 or X3. <laughs> X2 had the best plot, though. But I, I'd like to note that when, as the writer notes, uh, Sigma essentially did nothing and then an orbital death ray fell into his lap, I think that's the definition of a master manipulator. <laughs> I guess you could argue that, but it seemed unrelated. A master manipulator whose plot makes no sense, granted. <laughs> That'd be just like, X fell on a spike. Ha! This was my plan all along to destroy the Maverick Hunters! <laughs> he also outright stated his plans to General right at the beginning. He's like, hey, you should kill the Maverick Hunters! And the Joe's just like, no? <laughs> Bit of an own goal. The thing is, it's all salvageable with just a few tweaks. Removing the starting lag on the dash would be a good start. Oh, also, I should know, I really. I didn't notice. I guess I suppose it's there. I didn't ever feel like I couldn't be reactive though with the dash. I, yeah, I never felt that way either. And if you felt it, you felt it. We're not going to be able to logic you out. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's just your experience. It might be. It might even be like something that was introduced in emulation, like the PlayStation Classics release or something. I don't know how these things work. <laughs> it can happen, but I yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, some of the weapons need to go back to the drawing board. Looking at you, aiming laser. I object. <laughs> <clears throat> but others really just need more damage on them. Lightning Web has a really useful effect where it stuns the giant plane block things in Storm Owl's level, but there's no graphic for it and it almost looks like a bug. I didn't know that. Hmm. If it stunned enemies, stopped where it first hit an enemy, did damage over time instead of just when it's being fired out, and you could have more than one out, it'd be a superb weapon, but as it is, it's just garbage. That's fair. And the story needs a small streak of all. Just have Colonel be an infected double agent for Sigma. Most of the groundwork is already there, he single-handedly starts the war out of nowhere, and he bears enough of a grudge against X and especially Zero to challenge them to a duel halfway through the game. All you need to get the point across would be a tiny modification of a couple scenes. At the end of X's intro, maybe Colonel's there as Sigma leaves the room and they share a significant look, implying Colonel's the one who set up the interview with General. Maybe in the big speech scene, General speaks to Colonel afterwards, making it clear he's not happy that it's gone this far, but he's covering for Colonel's decision because he trusts that his friend means well. You could even only reveal that was going on in Zero's run to contrast the revelation of a mole inside Repliforce with X's discovery of Double being a traitor in the Hunters. 
That way, playing through the game as both characters actually shows Sigma to be a manipulator, playing both sides against each other through his agents. At the end of the day, I think X4 gets more credit than it deserves because it's not X5 or X6, it's not a worthy sequel to the SNES X games, and I think fans deserve better. To that I'd say I hadn't played X5 or X6, and I also don't think X5 is bad. And I actually know more people who like X5 better than X4. Really? I mean, just a couple of people, but still, that's more than I know about people's opinions of X4 versus X5. I get where this person's coming from, but it kind of strikes me as funny where they say there's huge flaws just about every aspect, but the actual like specific complaints seem very like nitpicky. <laughs> I can kind of relate. Like there are definitely games that have very like in the grand scheme of things, they're very small, but it. It, like if there's there's a delay in an, an RPG menu or something, but you have to go to it so much that every time you do it, it's stacking up on each other. Or the load times in Sonic 06, it could be a great game. <laughs> I, it's not, but hypothetically, <laughs> a game that had that would still be garbage, even if it worked fine. Uh, yeah, I mean, the yeah. main point I agree on is the story. Like, I definitely agree the story is complete garbage and makes no sense at all. But on the other hand... Mm-hmm. It's a Mega Man game, and I feel like if you're coming to a Mega Man game looking for an interesting and in-depth story, then you're probably not going to be satisfied. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, X1 tied progression in the the theming pretty well, but I think it's about as good as X3's plot, but it has cooler cutscenes. Yeah, Yeah, like, this is like, okay, we're going to make a good, you know, attempt at an interesting political story. Didn't really work out, <laughs> but I think that's okay, because really, you know, the story is just there to kind of shuttle you from boss fight to boss fight. I don't know how you could do a political story better with a Mega Man game structure, unless you wanted to give them, like, a lot more dialogue to elaborate on stuff, or, or do a lot of that cool environmental storytelling. <laughs> Next one we got is from Kirby Superstar. It's the best one. <laughs> Hi, yes, hello. I posit that the only good voice actor in the game is the stage announcer, who sounds like he's having a total blast, especially for Cyber Peacock. Thoughts? And my answer is... Storm Owl! (laughs) I I agree. I think he probably is the only good voice actor in the game. (laughs) Continuing the fighting game thing, like the voice actor says things in a strange way, but he's having a good time doing it. Yeah, absolutely. And... Last one comes from our pal Gogolor writing in again. Dear sitting guests, I'm writing this email just a few minutes after finishing Mega Man X4 for the first time. This is the first game in either the X series or any Mega Man series at all that I have done this with. Wow. That is not to say I haven't tried before. I have always been very put off by the series difficulty and what I perceive to be a high barrier for entry in terms of plot. On the latter point, I was mistaken, but a lot of these games doesn't seem to make much sense anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I was inspired to make the spur-of-the-moment decision to play this game yesterday night, giving myself one singular day to play the full game before the podcast recording date. I'm glad I did that because I really enjoyed the game, though not at first. I spent actual hours without being able to beat a single stage or otherwise make any real forward progress. However, thanks to the wonder that is the internet, I found out how to make things easier on myself. While I could not find difficulty adjusted in the standard sense, I was pleased to find the hottest of cheat codes on game FAQs which gave me X's ultimate armor and Zero's black armor. With these, the game was far more manageable, and I don't consider my game experience to be cheapened even slightly as a result. It's throwing the know that you're cheating the game exactly as hard as it's been cheating you. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Sigma. 
The ability to breeze through most of the parts of the game that would have made me quit any other game in the series allowed me to appreciate the game's last alert quality cutscenes and plot. I don't know why Mega Man looks so tough with his ridiculous scowl, but sounds like Rebecca Chambers, or why Colonel is fake Australian, but I loved it anyway. This game would probably be fun to play normally if I was about a dozen times better at these games, but I'm not, so I'm absolutely content to cheat, especially when the game makes it fun to do so. Nice. I brought up earlier that, like, using an enemy's weakness versus using the buster kind of, like, is a little bit of a difficulty adjuster, but that really only works for the, like, eight Maverick bosses. And you still have to, like, get to those bosses. Mm -hmm. I kind of grew up on Mega Man games, so at this point it's kind of second nature for me in terms of, like, this is what you do in a Mega Man game. So it's cool to hear this, you know, someone beating their first Mega Man game. That's awesome. Yeah. It's kind of a shame you can't actually do cheats like this in the other ones. Yeah. I'd like a Mega Man game with a big head mode. That would be good. <laughs> Which I guess is Mega Man powered up. Yeah. So cute. I think I mentioned before, like, we, my brother and I played this with Ultimate Armor first. I think it's a good way, if you don't want to go back to it afterwards because you've experienced it, like, that makes sense, especially nowadays when there's so many games. When I had X4 on PC, I didn't have any other games, and the computer I was on was not connected to the internet, if you remember those days. But I think being able to play the game on like a much easier mode would make it easier to go back once you know what to expect. Because I think I also mentioned, actually on the Fantasy Star Online and Code Veronica episodes, that I cheated through those games. First. Those are also games I played with my brother, so I think he was a bad influence on me <laughs> in terms of not cheating in video games. I played both of those games with cheats ahead of time, but it allowed me to, when I played legit afterwards, know what to expect and really appreciate it. Yeah. Alright, so that should about do it for this episode we thought about games. Thanks, Abby. Thanks, Bryce, for joining me again. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you. Abby, where can they find you online? I'm on Twitter. You look up Abby Denton and some sort of a rude word, and that'll be me on Twitter. M-I-Z-A-B-I-T-H-A. Bryce, where are you on online? <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter as well, uh, at SpinCut, like the move from Chrono Trigger. Nice. I just finished a Kickstarter for a queer post-apocalyptic visual novel called Who We Are Now, which is now in development, and it's going to be released in April of 2018, so please look forward to that. That sounds cool. Thank you. Can they like do anything crowdfunding-wise at this point? Or? We should have pre-orders up, so I'll announce it on my Twitter page when we do. Awesome. And you can follow me, as usual, on Twitter at BeamsplashX. If you follow me, you might notice that there's a reason why this episode took a little longer to get done. Nier Automata came out, and if you listened to the last episode about Nier, you would realize how much I was looking forward to that, and it turns out it is incredibly good. <laughs> and I wanted to beat it before I got too spoiled on things. So, I did, and you should go play it. And otherwise, I'll post about the show on there. You can follow the show at ThoughtABTGames. You can find us on Tumblr at WeThoughtAboutGames.tumblr.com. WeThoughtAboutGames.com redirects there as well. We're on YouTube, though you have to look up We Thought About Games because you have to get a certain amount of subscribers to change your URL. We have the streams up from Code Veronica and two Fantasy Strong Lines streams. You should probably watch the second one because you can actually hear us. <laughs> I'm going to be putting up highlights of those, too, so if you don't have 
more than two hours to watch a stream. You can just see the good bits. We're also on iTunes. You can rate and review if you want, I guess. I don't even use iTunes anymore. I only use it to put our podcast on there. And on the Tumblr, you can find links to the show notes. So if there's something in the show that we referenced that you might not be familiar with, usually try to put a link in there so that you can look it up. It's also where bonus episodes are posted. If you follow the show on Twitter, we'll post when we're going to do streams, put out the call for responses, put out the call for guests. So follow all of it. Do everything. The East is burning red. (laughs) So thank you for listening and Sigma did nothing wrong. Keep thinking. Good night. Good night.